What's up, everything? We've hit the lull in the hockey season, a time of year where even the hardest-working hockey reporters are hitting the links in various locations around the globe. But not us! We're working hard to bring you great blues coverage, and we'll continue that today. We'll take a moment to discuss a variety of topics in league news before diving deep into the Blues prospect pool by discussing our very own prospect pyramid. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we can't wait, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! to the Two Guys No Cup podcast. This is officially our 50th episode, although I think it's technically 55, mm-hmm. but we count the bonus episodes as precisely that. We're so, giving you a little extra. Exactly. So this is our 50th episode, and we cannot believe it. Um, but yeah, we've been doing this for about a year. Well, a little over a year now, and here they are, 50 episodes. You will listen to all of them now tonight, <laughs> all of you people. Uh, we're coming to you from the scattered and desecrated ruins of Memphis, Egypt, which is where the pyramids were, I think. <laughs> well, they were in Giza, too, but that's close <laughs> by. And I learned today uh, that the city of Saqqara is where the earliest known pyramids were discovered and they were built in 2600 BC or around that time but we all know that the pyramid was perfected by Steve Dangle in 2016 when he invented the prospect pyramid (laughs) and we'll talk about all that later but first we have a very important topic to discuss uh we sent out a tweet earlier this week uh, it was a picture of, of uh, T.J. Oshie, former beloved St. Louis Blue, eating cap and Crunch out of the uh, Stanley Cup, as you do. And uh, we tweeted at all of you and said, uh, the man makes good choices. What cereal would you eat out of the Stanley Cup? And we got some great responses. Uh, Fabry's Hair responded, Captain Crunch would stay crunchy long enough to eat out of a trophy, but flavor-wise, I'd go for Fruity Pebbles, maybe Fruit Loops, or Raisin Bran Crunch. Uh, he took some heat for Raisin Bran Crunch, but I gotta be honest, that stuff's the bomb. Mm. They insert some, like, yogurt or something into it. Mm, it's great. <laughs> it's also uh, very good for your colon. Exactly. And, you know, people need that sometimes. Watch out for your health, folks. Uh, exactly. Tony Eichenlaub says, I'd go Fruity Pebbles, but if the Blues won it all, I'd honestly eat anything out of the cup. Wait, almost anything. Mm. Um, Ryan Krupp specified the anything that he would eat out of the cup. <laughs> and he said, but cereal-wise, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh, Brennan Fort said he'd fill it with Toasted Ravs and Marinara. Garrett Kochner said, I'd go Lucky Charms. The logical choice is Wheaties. Good point. Yeah. Although I guess if you've won the cup, you don't need to eat your Wheaties anymore because you're done. Count <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cal- combo of Captain Crunch and Tricks, according to Smelly Hillbilly, at Brian Madden Base. <laughs> Uh, Sarah, our friend Sarah with uh, bluesrant.com says crunch berries or cinnamon toast crunch. And uh, B says honey bunches of oats, which is coincidentally also what I'd call the cup and all the players who won it, which I think 
is exactly right. But that prompted us to discuss, you know, T.J. Oshie ate Captain Crunch out of the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup. And it's one of the best cereals around, and all sane people nope. agree with that. It's a fact disputed by no one. So mm. we thought it'd be fun to rank what five cereals we'd eat out of the Stanley Cup. But wait, Ian's over here protesting my statements about Captain Crunch. Why don't you tell us a little more about your <laughs> bizarre and preposterous opinions? Oh, it's super gross. <laughs> Uh, what people like about Captain Crunch has to be exactly what I hate about it, but it's coated in something that is tastes like Splenda to me, in all honesty. It does not taste like sugar. It tastes like a sugar substitute. On top of that, it, it is... like heaven. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's also very crunchy. I get that's the whole deal of it, but it's like eating glass for me, personally. <laughs> now... I would like to preface this, and I guess I didn't preface it. I'm saying afterwards. <laughs> I was post face this. <laughs> uh, post very good cereal maker. Yeah, there you true. go. There we go. Um, post TM face. Exactly. This. <laughs> sponsor. Great sponsor. That I don't. I don't eat cereal um, in milk. I eat dry ass. Cereal. Okay, so you're just a freak whose opinions don't count. That's not true. <laughs> I think they count just as much as anyone else's. They're just different. We'll have to get They're... you some non non homogenized soy milk to put your cereal in. <laughs> I don't want it touching any you're liquid. One of them's. No, because... you just eat it dry. You just. I mean, you just eat dry cereal. It's true, but when you say dry, that really that brings about like I, that makes people think extra dry. They think of like a desert, like dry cereal. Yeah, what cereal is in a box is very dry. It's, it is. It is dry. <laughs> but I do eat it dry. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think as a kid, I've waited too long, and I'd eat it with milk, and I'm like, this is soggy as hell. And I'm very particular about like. Apparently, very particular. Yeah. I'm really not that particular probably, with food. You but. probably like cottage cheese, do you? Oh, sure. no. Oh. That's a whole thing. Can we just thing. go on a sidetrack? Because cottage cheese is the grossest thing on Looks earth. gross. Smells gross. Smells gross. I don't know if it tastes gross. One of the few things I've never eaten in my oh, life. Oh, I've eaten it, and it's terrible. <laughs> would you eat that out of the Stanley Cup? I wouldn't. I legitimately... I was just thinking about that. So here's the reality, folks. <laughs> I have a... Honest to God, actual phobia of cottage cheese, and it's it's bad. I I don't want to be in the same room as it. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's that level of disgusting. I ate it, and my my family loves it. My brother loves it. My dad loves it, and I hated it as a kid when I had to try it. And then someone made me try it again in college at threat of death it wasn't a threat of death but similar circumstances and it was the worst thing that i'd ever had in my life it is so gross if you like it i'm sorry i don't understand and don't don't tweet us saying just eat it with peaches just eat it with blueberries because that doesn't change anything i've tried it's spoiled milk that we're eating like candy and it doesn't make sense saying when you said your parents and your family like cottage cheese that sounds to me like if someone says they like mustard but they eat it like on its own oh they do that's what i mean it sounds weird like yeah. i love cottage cheese of like with yeah. like oh i'll just eat it no, like just no eat, yeah no exactly i'm the, ugh, i'm i'm getting like 
creep just thinking about it right now. <laughs> so if I had to eat, like, if I had to eat a spoonful of cottage cheese for the Blues to win the cup, I'd take the bullet, Blues Nation. I'd do it. I would vomit, but I'd do it. You'd want but his if name I had on the to cup. eat a bowl, I, I couldn't do it. I literally could not physically make that happen, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'd try, but I couldn't. We saw Fear Factor, and you thought, if that... Bull testicle I'd was cottage cheese. Much sooner go bull testicle. <laughs> yes, I've never cheese. had that before. Yeah, that's at least protein. I don't know what the hell cottage <laughs> cheese is. So, what Gross. are your five favorite cereals then to eat dry and without milk? See, I think this is a good. I think it's good that I ate them dry because now we've got two lists, totally different lists, different factors. It covers all the bases. Golden grams. Did you ever have golden grams? Pretty good. They're pretty it's good. Solid. After eating, this like, is not for you. It's not in a one to five order, right? No, no. This is just anything. I could see eating golden grams dry too. That, yeah. that sort of makes sense. Golden, so yeah, I will say this: golden grams, cinnamon toast crunch, that like kind of variety of cereal, grosser with milk. So I'll give okay. you that. I wouldn't probably. I just wouldn't eat. It. I wouldn't go to it as fast because, you know, I just I eat cereal with milk. But if I was gonna eat <laughs> like it, a normal I'd pour person. very little milk on it. So okay. you're right. Um. Reese's Puffs? Oh, absolutely. Number two on my list. Game changer. How how do you pronounce? So I said Reese's Puffs to you, and I you agree. nodded yeah, your head. Uh-huh. So you knew what I was saying. People who say Reese's can go to the the, the cottage cheese island. As you're far you're as right. I'm what a weird bunch of people <laughs> learn the English language. Exactly. Cinnamon Life, which is like an old person. We love all our followers, by the way, but... Not the Reese's. <laughs> you can listen to this on your weird island. Yeah, that's true. It's available. Your diverse, and beautiful, lush island. <laughs> <laughs> far, far away from here. <laughs> Cinnamon Life seems like an old person cereal. I've got it's an very old kind of bland. Online. It's okay, okay, very good. Uh, Fruity Pebbles, because the, that, like, Pretty pebbles demand See, to be that, eaten out of the box, like with just your that's hand. That's true. That also would be that becomes mush under too much. Milk. Okay. So you selected good dry cereals at mm. least. Although I do think there are some you're just missing out. On oh, the probably. Factor with. And then my top one, and I I would say this is actually my number one because we never got it much as a little kid, and every time I've tried it again s- since growing up and becoming an adult, it's been just as good, if not better. Is Cookie Crisp. I don't know if they... Do they still make it? Yep. I don't do. buy cereal, and maybe I should now because I love Cookie Crisp. Cookie Crisp is dope. Uh, I have a crisp in my top spot, too, but it's actually Waffle Crisp, which I think oh, wow, is yeah. the greatest thing ever invented by man. It's like maple syrup waffles in cereal form. I also have Reese's Puffs. Uh Number three, I put Honey Nut uh, Shacks, which is kind of my old person cereal. Okay. Those are dope, and they're great to just, like, snack on out of the box. I could put uh, Frosted wheat, frosted Mini Wheats in the same spot. That's they're true. great, and they're great dry. Uh, and then I put Cap'n Crunch on here just to, just to be a little, <laughs> just to start a little fight. And then my fruit cereal of choice would be Fruit Loops, but you can yeah. go Fruity Pebbles, too. It's the same. Do you remember when they added blue Fruit Loops? Did they add they, that? They do, yeah. Why do they, they always add blue to things? I don't they never know. start also, off with blue. Also, like, is anybody out there, like, let us know if you're out there thinking, like, I only like the yellow Fruit Loops. 
the red ones and green ones can get <laughs> bent. Oh, no, it's also good. What? You're talking, <laughs> talking loop this colors. Is now the two guys yeah. all food podcast. Apple Jacks. Oh, yeah. Very good. Very good. I bought some, uh, some apple cinnamon toast crunch the other day thinking it would be that. Mm-hmm. And it was not. <laughs> I was thinking it would either be that or like an apple fritter, which is like the dopest yeah. pastry. And it was just like it tasted real apple-y, but not like enough to be like good. <laughs> and it's still sitting in the pantry uneaten. So there you go. Swing and a miss. Yeah, and you got to try. You got to try sometime. Mm-hmm. Speaking of swings and misses, are we are we prepared to move on from cereal? Mm-hmm. We are. Let's talk about some NHL signings. Uh, and then decide whether they're swings or misses. Well, I guess they're all swings. <laughs> whether they're hits or misses. No, uh, the minutes. I think my cat is trying to gnaw through the door right now. That was frightening. Uh, the Minnesota Wild made two signings. Um, two of their like eleven teen restricted free agents. <laughs> that team is a dumpster fire. Uh, they had uh, signed Jason Zucker, right? Zucker, yep. Zucker. I'm always going to say Zucker. Zucker. That's all yeah. I care. But they say Zucker. Uh, five years, $27.5 million, which is an AAV of $5.5 million, roughly. Is it exactly? I guess it's, I guess it's exactly. Um, he had a career-high 64 points last year with 33 goals. And the year before that, he had 47 points with 22 goals. He's incredibly fast. He was a second-round pick in 2010. When I first saw this, I got a little eked out by it, and I never like giving a guy a big contract after a career year. But some of the times, they're just reaching a new level and becoming that mm-hmm. again. So I'm, I'm a little more comfortable with it uh, if I'm a Wild fan. He's a guy you've got to get locked up long-term. So what do you think about this for Zucker? Um, how old is he? He is, I want to say, like 26, but I'll look it up. Okay. I think that's a good deal, and it's one of the few players that isn't super old on that team. I don't know how much money they have. Maybe you can see that, too. Look that up for me. How have they not traded Eric Stahl, by the way? 26 years old. Okay, right on the money. Yeah, I think that's a good deal. You, you got them through like his prime. Space? Yeah, yeah, look up their cap space. I want to know how much they have tied up in old people. <laughs> we already know it's like 20 million and oh, two God, people. But, yeah, I, I think this is a good signing is because... Is that team ever going to be relevant until those guys are gone? No, and maybe... but Maybe <laughs> maybe they deserve it. No, I think I saw a tweet. I answered my own question in my head. When Jason Zucker's contract ends, are Prize and Suter still on that team? Yes. My... For two more years. <laughs> my lord. So I did see a tweet. Someone tweeted it out. Yeah, I think I may have texted you after okay. I saw a tweet. But yeah, so... That is uh, bonkers. Those guys are both signed longer than any other player on that team. Uh, they have $7.5 million and a little change locked up in Parise and Suter, neither of whom are their captain, by the way, through 2025, when I think they will both be 41 years old. Um... <laughs> Mikhail Granlund uh, has $5.7 million through a couple more years. Zucker now. Miko Koivu is very old. He's got $5.5 million for two more years. Um, Eric Stahl, one more year on his deal. So, yeah, lots of old people there. Wow, what did you do, Wild? <laughs> what did you do? Fletcher, why? Oh, my God. I remember thinking this when they signed those two guys. When they signed Suter and Prize, I thought... This is a lot 
of money for two guys, but they're both really good right now. Yeah. So I guess go for it. But they didn't propel that team to almost anything. No. No, they really didn't. They haven't become. And now they're just going to eat it. it. Holy cow. Yeah, sign Jason Zucker because you need your fans to look forward to something. Good Lord. Yeah, I mean, it's. And, you know, I think Suter's still really good. I mean, he's a top pairing defenseman. They're fine, but but for the money. But Parise really has never even come close to living up to that contract. Now, I think they pay them in, like, what they owe them in real money is less. 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 But the cap, it's still 10 million for each. Something uh, like that? This says it's 7.5, but okay. still. But still, that's yeah. a lot for especially Parise, who... You're paying that guy more than Vladimir Tarasenko currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not great. That's what, like, when... And due respect to people, because Doug Armstrong has signed some on some questionable at best contracts. But when people are like the Alex Steen contract is horrible, I'm like, it's not horrible. Yeah. It might be a touch iffy, but it's not that with Bobby Ryan and, and uh, Zach Parise and others out there, it's not horrible. I'd say it's not Dustin Brown. You know, (laughs) your best team still has an Alex Steen contract on it somewhere. Probably. And plus if he's, you know, a leader behind the scenes, yeah, that's even more. So uh, we're kind of stepping over the second half of this, but Matt Dumba, Dumba, also <laughs> signed a five-year, $30 million extension. My dad does not like Matt Dumba. I don't... I'm not entirely sure why. I think why, it's just probably the name. <laughs> I terrible. think it is. Like, that's how he says it. He's like, there goes Dumba. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, whoa, calm down. He's 23 years old. He's a right-handed defenseman. He was seventh overall pick in 2012. He is uh, six foot tall, 183 pounds, so kind of an undersized uh, top-line defenseman, but he did have 50 points last year. Um, I think he's fine. Yeah. I, I asked you to describe anything that he did. <laughs> Of value or anything distinct in his game, and you basically said he was just a good defenseman. I think he stepped up when Suter was hurt last year at mm-hmm. the end of the year, and so I think he played a little bit better, or um, I don't know, out of beyond expectations from what some wild fans had. So I think maybe that's where how much is he getting paid now? Six million. And if you envision him as the top line guy going forward, that's nothing. You know, yeah, it's not bad. I think at that's all. fine. I, Especially to lock him down from what age twenty four to, you know, about twenty nine, thirty. Mm-hmm. I guess I think it's slightly high just because I would think Pareko is a better defenseman. Mm-hmm. And is that five point five million? But maybe that's less of Pareko being better than Dumba, and that's more of Pareko getting, like, a steal of a deal in mm-hmm. terms of how the Blues view it. Yeah, probably. And I wonder also, you know, the reality is I wonder if they have to convince these guys to, like, stick around in Minnesota, <laughs> you know? Because, like, yeah, they were RFAs, but they could have signed one- or two-year deals, you know? They might yeah. have to overpay them. That's true. You're, good to get them for... You're buying UFA to stay years. there, you know, especially... I mean, I... I, I've seen people label Minnesota as a playoff team next year. I don't see that at all. Mm-hmm. But even if they're a playoff team next year, it doesn't look like they're on the upswing right now. And I just don't know, you know, I, obviously if you're a player who's who's been there for a couple of years, you kind of know that. Um, and you know, you know, Boudreaux's not going to be there after this year. I'd almost guarantee it. I don't know how he's there this year. <laughs> um, you know, just because... He's exactly what he is. He'll maybe get you to the playoffs and then he'll collapse because he's poison. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, it's just, I don't know that it's a great situation, but now they've got those guys that's kind of their young core, I guess, along with Niederreiter and some other people. Um, Niederreiter's going to be like 20, I guess he'll be 29 when he hits UFA, so not as young as I thought I was going to say. How old is he now? 25. Okay. So he has uh, four years left on his deal. Islanders traded him really young. I thought he was like mid-20s when they traded him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Granlin will be 28, though, when he hits UFA, so that could be an interesting price, too. Um, he's, I don't know if he's good or not. <laughs> I mean, that, that's pretty I much that team. <laughs> Half the players on that team are like, are you good? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out eventually. It'll, it'll materialize. Yeah, good luck, Wild. Uh, exactly. The Winnipeg Jets extended Adam Lowry. He signed for three years uh, at $8.75 million. Apparently, Adam Lowry was born in St. Louis because his father is Dave Lowry, a former Blue, and I never knew any of this until this afternoon. <laughs> so I guess John Kelly really let me down on that, although he's probably said it a thousand I'm times. I'm sure he has. just never picked it I up. knew Dave Lowry was his dad, but I didn't know how long he was a Blue or, mm-hmm. you know, that he was born in uh, St. Louis. Yeah. He was drafted uh, early in the third round of 2011. He's 6'5", 205 pounds, so you can see the appeal there. Uh, He had 21 points in 45 games last year, but he won almost 56% of his face-offs. It's under $3 million a year. You can't get stressed about it, but he's never, like, had more than 20 points. He had he was on pace for a lot more. I guess he was injured for a big part of the year last year. The year before that, that was a full season of, like, 22 points, so... Did you Could say he's a, a set, did you say he was a center? Mm-hmm. So he's like their fourth line center, I would guess. If, if they still have Paul Stasny, but yeah, yeah. I'm wondering. I wonder if the Jets really. I don't know if there's anything available for them to get as far as a center goes. I think they yeah. really liked having Paul Stasny there. I think so. One of the weirdest, funniest, interesting stories in hockey. Uh, was them clearing all that space to keep Stastny and then him weaving. It certainly doesn't help the rumors uh, that people don't want to play him one day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting as the guys like Scheifele and, and Line A mature to see if they're willing to stick around or if they take a leave, take leave of Winnipeg and go to the shiny bright lights of Buffalo <laughs> or Sunrise Florida. <laughs> um Nashville locks down their goalkeeper, UC Saros, uh, for three years, $4.5 million. I think he's the presumptive replacement for Pecorine, which means this is a heck of a deal for them. Uh, they get him at backup price, uh, but I don't think he'll be a backup after this year. I think this is the final year of Rene's contract. Uh, it would have been nice maybe to see us sign a similar deal with Jake Allen rather than wait till he was the starter for a year and have to pay him starter money. Uh, but that's just kind of hindsight. Saros was the 99th overall pick in 2013. He's 23 years old. Like Rene, he's a Finn, and he had a 2.44 goals against and 9.25 save percentage in 26 games last year and also played some in the playoffs, I think, when Rene mm-hmm. stopped being good anymore <laughs> <laughs> after he won the Vesna. So Weird. Thoughts on the Saros signing? Uh, just annoying that they have another good goalie coming up. Of course, of course they do. They won't Great. win, but it's good for them. <laughs> um, two centers got paid a lot of money, a lot of money, which should make you be thankful for the relatively not a lot of money that Braden Shin and 
and uh, Ryan O'Reilly are getting paid relative to what these guys are paid for what they produce. Uh, Adam Henrique, who the Ducks traded for, uh, gave up Sammy Vatanen to get from the New Jersey Devils this year, uh, signed a five-year $29.125 million extension, which is an annual average value of $5.825 million. He seemingly broke out with the Ducks last year. He had 36 points, uh, 20 of which were goals in 57 games, but he's not great in the face-off circle. He is 28 years old, which really surprised me, and he was the 82nd overall pick in 2008. What do you think about paying Adam Henrique almost $6 million a year for the next five years? He's 28, you said. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that the points he got this season? Is that his career high? I think overall it is. Yes, really? It's... With what he did in New Jersey. And it was 30. Okay. It was 30 what? No, 36 was just the uh, just the Anaheim part. Oh, okay. Of the season. So that gotcha. was 36 and 40, 57 games. Okay. I'm looking it up now. Go ahead. No, because I was going to say, they're paying him close to $6 million for 30-something points. Yeah. Holy cow. So he had 50 points total last year. He had 50 points total in 15-16, and he had 51 points in his sophomore season. Okay. So he's a 50-point player, more or less. But he's not good at face-offs. But, yeah. He was a Selkie. He, he placed 25th in Selkie voting. <laughs> In his in his third year and nineteenth a couple of years ago, so I guess he's decent defensively. I guess you had to overpay to keep him that long. I don't know. I just that one I do not understand that, especially since they already have Getzlov and Raquel who are much better than are uh, than I think Henrique is. Um, yeah, I just don't I don't totally understand this deal. Yeah, if you look at a player like Braden Shen. He's, I'm going to say he's better than Adam Henrique. And so if you're... I say by a considerable amount, yeah. personally. So if you're the Anaheim Ducks, I'm pointing at Braden Shen and saying, look, you are not Braden Shen, but we'll be nice. We'll give you Braden Shen money. We'll give you 5.5, give you 5.3, something like that. But we're not giving you, you know, just shy of $6 million. It's a small overpayment, but I don't know what their cap space looks like. So I don't know if that's a big deal to them or not, but... It kind of is what it is. They have eight million, almost nine million in projected space. Well, then um, they can definitely do this. Yeah, I mean they've got a lot of space and not a lot of big people to lock up. Except John Gibson needs a contract after this year, and that's a big deal. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Obviously, the salary cap's going to keep going up, so we're going to just have to keep adjusting to higher and higher contract totals, at least until a lockout happens, um, and probably even after that. But I just don't understand it. I also don't understand uh, Elias Lindholm finding his Lindholm with the Calgary Flames. (laughs) Very good. Uh, Well done. (laughs) Thank you. For uh, six years at $29.1 million, which is an annual average value of $4.85 million. Um, he's 23 years old. He was the fifth overall pick in 2013. Uh, he had 45 points and 44 points in the last two seasons. 
Uh, I don't think he's pretend- particularly good at face-offs. I meant to look that up earlier, but I don't think he is. Uh, and he's certainly never quite broken through to his potential, but the Flames are clearly betting big that he will. So I don't. Uh, the, the dollar value on this is fine to me. Mm-hmm. And if he busts out, it's going to be one of those, you know, Nazem Kadri-esque contracts where, like, two years from now, you're like, they still have him for four years at $4 million or whatever. But if he doesn't, it's going to be a real bear for a long <laughs> time. So um, I guess you're kind of paying him for what you're currently getting, maybe a little more than that. So mm. all he has to do is play a little better to make it seem pretty good. But it's just a gamble. Six years is a lot to bet on potential to me. Yeah, I think that takes him to, what, if he's 23 now, it would be 29 or around mm-hmm. there, 28, 29. So he gets up to like just being into his UFA years. So it's kind of nice on his end because it means he can sign another big contract when that's all up and done and he will have plenty of you know decent years left on him. Mm-hmm. I was listening to the Steve Dangle podcast. Shout out to them. Uh, and they mentioned... Oh, they uh, shall be shout- oh, shouted out. At least 15, 20 more <laughs> times tonight. Um, they mentioned that when you make this trade earlier in the offseason, you trade Dougie Hamilton for Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin. And I mean, I think there was another piece in there from Calgary. But basically, Calgary gets those two guys back. Adam Fox, yeah. baby. You wanted those guys. Now those guys kind of have leverage. They go, hey, you traded for us. Now pay up because you wanted yeah. us. There's That's kind of the whole point. You can't lowball these guys now, supposedly. That's a good point. So I think it's a bigger deal for Noah Hannafin. You can't be like, look, your last team didn't want shit, because then they're going to turn around and be like, yeah, but we, you did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's the hardball that, especially as an agent, you have to play. I don't know what Dougie Hamilton's getting paid, but Noah Hannafin has to be able to be like, look what he's making. i got to <laughs> make the same amount, you know? And I think he's the bigger deal in all this. Yeah. Like, he's going to be the one demanding that money. Yeah, it's an okay deal for the Flames for Hannafin. I think you just kind of hope. For Lindholm. You mean. Sorry, for Lindholm, yeah, because I hope, I guess they hope that, yeah, he turns into a sort of a Nazim Kadri and uh, breaks out a little bit more. And he might. He's probably on a team that's better set up offensively mm-hmm. than the or than the uh, Hurricane. The Hurricane have a really good decor, even better now, I'd say. But they never really had great offensive potential outside of, what, Skinner? Mm-hmm. Jordan Stahl? Yeah. Eric Stahl when he was there, and Eric Stahl wasn't, the Eric Stahl of the Minnesota Wild when he was there. So you didn't really have much to play around. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they do now with Svechnikov. I don't know who even their top line center would be. Victor Rask, maybe? That's rough. Gross. Whatever the case, <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do, um, how both of these teams do with this trade. It's definitely, I think, uh, maybe ours notwithstanding, certainly up there with Ryan O'Reilly is the biggest trade of the offseason so far. So um, it'd be interesting. And then uh, Marc-Andre Fleury hit the jackpot. He signed three years, $21 million deal to stay in Vegas. I don't have any problem with this. He's probably a little old, but they've got gads of money, and he's the face of the franchise. Just pay the man whatever Mm -hmm. and move on. Uh, Just some other signings. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. That's um, a big signing? Yes, exactly. Dang. Dan Hamuse oh. was worthy of a big bang. 
He signed two years, $2.5 million to go to Nashville. I guess this is fine. I don't know. I don't know why Nashville needed to spend more money on defense, but um, Brooks Orpik returned. Are you looking up something about Dan Hammond? Oh, I want to see how old he was. He's 35. Yeah, he's old. He's very old. Jesus. Uh, Brooks Orpik returned to the Washington Capitals for a million dollars after being traded to uh Colorado and then bought out he makes all that money and then this money on top of it so good deal for Brooks Orbit um Brandon Montour was given a two-year 6.775 million dollar extension by the Ducks I believe that's who Mm -hmm. he plays for unless (laughs) he was drafted by Vegas I get the Ducks defenseman confused now that they traded some to New Jersey and drafted some to Vegas but who did the Vegas Golden Knights get I know it I don't think it's Mantor, but I no, don't remember not. who it is. Theodore. Uh, Theodore. Shea you. Theodore. Shea William Carrier, speaking of people drafted by the Knights, signed a two-year, $1.45 million contract, former property of the St. Louis Blues. Ryan Merkley, who will be the property of the British Columbia Correctional Facility in <laughs> 6 to 12 months, uh, signed his entry-level contract with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, Jimmy He's a psychopath. <laughs> Let's just treat Ryan Merkley from now on like he's a total, just like a complete sociopath. Yeah, I don't, like, this isn't true, Uh huh. but I heard he killed a man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I, I did not hear it. it. I no, did not hear nobody it. Nobody told you that he didn't, mm-hmm. so he must have. <laughs> just look out. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy VC signed two years, $4.5 million. In New York, Blake Coleman, three years, $5.4 million with, I want to say, New Jersey. I should have written some of these Well, not my head, yeah. Uh, Philip Deneau, three years, $9.249 million in Montreal. I wrote that one down because I have no idea who that is. <laughs> Oliver Bjorkstrand, a longtime decent prospect of the Columbus <laughs> Blue Jackets, is getting paid decent money at $7.5 million over three years. These, these, by the way, just to be queer in case any of you are leaping out of your chair, have all been the total contract and not the annual average value. And then Jamie Alexiak signed a three-year deal for $6.412 million because the Penguins decided, hey, we're not paying enough weird defensemen random amounts of money. So let's pay Jamie Alexiak more. And there was one trade. The Columbus Blue Jackets acquired Ryan McKinnis, yes, that kind of McKinnis, uh, from Arizona for Jacob Graves and a conditional sixth-round pick, which makes me want to ask you this question. Do you think John Chaco will just make any trade right now? Not like we couldn't be like, hey, you want to give us Derek Stefan and eat the whole contract and we'll give you Dimitri Askin? Like, he's not stupid. But do you think he'll do, like anything like does that team have a direction because this seems weird to me not like ryan mckinnis is your future it's just kind of like okay it's another move that the coyotes are involved in i guess yeah he definitely puts names into his like computer algorithm and it pops out like ooh, Mm. 0.1 higher Mm, yeah (laughs) yeah he gets a 0.1 higher in the goodness scale I for the see, Coyotes. I see that the valuation difference between Jacob Graves and Ryan McInnes is a conditional six-round pick. Yes. Yeah, 0.6667 repeating. <laughs> and it goes, great. Um, yeah, I don't know. The Coyotes have done a lot, like, movement-wise in the last 
what, two or three years? Mm-hmm. Pretty decent amount. And they've got some decent prospects coming up too. But they like don't get any better. No. They just kind of still stay they there. Stay and bad. every year people go, oh, I don't know, the Coyotes, they might make some noise this year, and then they don't. And it just keeps happening. I just think it's as simple as that there's no heart in that city for this team. That's not even fair because there are some diehard Coyotes fans, but it's just such a mess. And it just needs to be solved. Just move the team. Just do it. And I don't want to say that as a person who's had my team stolen from me in the NFL, but just do it. <laughs> just do it, Gary. It failed. You tried. Just do it. And that's been mm-hmm. your Coyote Corner from the yeah, Two Guys Make Up podcast. Move them anywhere. I don't care. Move them to Kansas City. That'd be fun. Drag their old bones into the ocean. There you go. Don't do that. They've got a nice enough the team. The Hawaii Coyotes. Yeah. I'm all for it. Uh, the Blues have one, I don't want to say, well, yeah, major, I guess, bit of news. Um, <laughs> they signed defenseman Joel Edmondson for a one-year deal at $3 million. Interesting move. You would have thought Joel Edmondson would have warranted a longer contract, but they did at least avoid arbitration. Um, Edmondson took an Instagram photo, I guess, signing the contract in his agent's office uh, in Toronto and and said in the caption, excited for another year in the loo. Uh, Chris Raby of KMOX uh, tweeted that he asked Joel Edmondson who... Who on the Blues is most likely to go on an Ovechkin-like bender after winning the Cup? And Edmondson responded, you actually might be talking to him right now. So uh, at first I was a little worried that this was like, oh, Edmondson like, doesn't want to stay here. But I don't think that's actually the case. I think um, maybe it's a little bit Edmondson doing the team a favor in respect to their current cap situation and being smart enough to know that with uh, Boehm Easter and um, Gunnarsson coming off the books next year and most of the rest of the team signed uh, semi-long term. This gives them some flexibility to pay him more money next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't necessarily think by the same token that he's going to, he's the profile of player that's going to like earn a lot more money by his play on the ice this year. Cause you know, you're, he's not going to spike and give you 50 points, so he's just going to still be a defensively reliable top-pairing defenseman, and he's still going to be owed that kind of money. You know? I think that's the thing. He's definitely not a points-getter, and you just don't pay defensive defensemen tons of money. They're yeah. reliable. You want them on your team. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a weird, unspoken understanding that they just don't make that much. Yeah. And What do you think? Like maybe $5 million? So that's the thing. Colton Pareko makes, what, 5.5 a year? Is he going to make the argument that he's playing on the top line? Because he can't, right? No, I think so. It helps Joel Edmondson and his camp with the one-year deal because if he plays amazing this year, he just makes that much more money for longer uh-huh. next year. He probably plays with Petrangelo. Because, I don't know, you don't slot Vince Dunn in there. And I don't know I if you... That'd be dope. I mean, it'd be, it'd be weird and interesting. But, uh, and I don't think you put Gunnarsson or Bo Meester up there. So it just kind of defaults to Edmonds. And mm-hmm. I think can handle it. But, yeah, I don't think you can say, I'm a top-pairing guy. I want Petrangelo money. Or even, I don't think you can say you want Preco yeah, money. Yeah, I kind of feel the same. So, way. $5 million at, like, at the most, at like my kind of outrageous ceiling mm. for Joel Edmondson. I think what he makes three now. 
I'm going to say realistically, if he has a really good year, or we'll just say a good year, um, just a little over four. Yeah, that seems fair. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not too worried about signing him long-term yet, uh, but we shall see. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, our final topic of this wonderful episode, our main topic. I shouldn't say final like you folks are almost out of here. <laughs> oh, no. Because you're not. That's like when a teacher says, so in conclusion, but you look at the class, the the clock and there's like 30 minutes left and then you just sit there for 45 more minutes <laughs> but in any case uh we are going to do a prospect pyramid this is a concept as we alluded to earlier that was kind of originally envisioned by steve dangle who is a maple leafs blogger and uh writer and Sportsnet person um and uh, he made this video, I think the original one was 2016, mm-hmm. the Matthews year. Uh, he he made this video and he talked about how he was, he was tired of seeing like 1 to 20 prospect rankings lists. Uh, not because like they were bad inherently, but because like it's a little silly to be like, this guy's definitively the fifth best prospect and this guy's definitively the sixth best prospect, you know, or, or mm-hmm. 12th and 13th or whatever. Um, and so he came up with this pyramid that has uh, six tiers. Now, this is somewhat of a visual endeavor, and since we're not a visual podcast, <laughs> uh, we have drawn up the pyramid, and we're going to tweet out photos of it uh, as we release the show. So fear not. If you want to see it, it'll be up there for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there are basically six tiers. The top tier... Uh, is reserved for the elite of the elite prospects. We'll talk about that a little more, but it is very exclusive. Uh, they're absolutely can't miss. They're the Connor McDavid level. I mean, they don't all have to be quite Connor McDavid, but that kind of like first overall pick mm. um, sort of can't miss deal. Um, the second tier is for players just below that who are very likely to be very, very, very good NHL players. Um, think about, you know, top line players, really good top six players, top pairing defensemen, uh, really good starting goalies, that level of uh, prospect. The tier below that, tier three, uh, is for players who are expected to be very good NHL contributors. So maybe... Uh, generally sort of top six, top four defensemen, uh, you know, a, a, a steady starting goaltender sort of thinking. Um, tier four then is for players who are like solid contributors, maybe top nine, uh, you know, any NHL defenseman, um, you know, maybe a really good backup goalie or kind of a journeyman level starter. Uh, and then tier five is for guys who might make it to the league and be kind of bottom six or, you know, seventh defenseman, backup goalie that level or might miss out entirely. And then tier six is kind of a catch-all for everyone that you really don't feel comfortable ranking or people who you think probably aren't going to make the NHL um, or people that you just don't have a lot of information on Mm -hmm. in general. Uh, Do you have anything you want to clarify about kind of those so far that I've talked about? No, not really. I think that's pretty clear for what we're trying to get at. Okay, so so to kind of clarify what these tiers are a little bit more, we thought it'd be good to talk about 
specifically tier one because there's always some controversy there when people talk about these because you want to say, you know, the temptation is to say your best prospect is a tier one prospect. And Mm -hmm. so without stepping on or spoiling anything, you'll see by the pictures that we don't have a prospect in tier one. And that's because this is really reserved for the top level guys. So I, I'm, I thought about this a lot today. I wanted to spend some time on this just to give you all as listeners, an example of what we're talking about. It's possible that Rasmus Dahlin is the only tier one prospect in the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if there are a couple other options, I'll discuss who they are, but gun to my head, I might say it's only Dahlin who I would put in tier one. Uh, Elias Peterson has a pretty good case. He was a Canucks, I think like fifth overall pick uh, a year ago. And he just absolutely destroyed the Swedish league. He was their top scorer and their playoff MVP uh, last year. So I would probably put him as a tier one guy. Um, Andrei Svechnikov, who was this year's number one pick, uh, is an elite scorer, or number two pick, excuse me, is an elite scorer um, and just tore up juniors last year. So I would, you know, I'd lean towards probably putting him tier one too. Uh, but then there are guys, Casey Middlestat, who's really, really good, was great in college in the World Juniors last year uh, and collected five points in six games when he got a call up to the Sabres. I don't think he's quite tier one. I think he's really close, but I don't think he's quite there. Uh, Ely Tolvanen of the Predators is ranked slightly ahead of Thomas in some of the prospect rankings I've seen, but I don't think he's tier one either. Um, and then, like, Philip Zadina, who fell to the Red Wings this year's draft, around, I think they picked sixth, mm-hmm. maybe has an argument. But, again, I don't know that he's really there. Um, so all of that is to say it's a pretty exclusive group. Um, what do you think about that so far? And then we'll talk about the tweet we received, the greatest <laughs> tweet of all time. Yeah, it's, I definitely think Tier 1 is... Obviously, at the highest part of it is generational players. That's your Sidney Crosby and your Connor McDavid. I think on the lower end of Tier 1, which is kind of hard to say, it's a first-line player, like full stop on like every team in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just because we use elite a lot in, in sports, period. Yeah. This is elite player, that's elite player. But elite needs to be a very small group. Mm-hmm. There's no shame in being like, a great player, a very, very good player. You, you know, there's tons of those, but I mean, that's not necessarily doesn't make it non-exclusive, you know, make it less exclusive. Um, but I think to use elite on guys where you'd say like Zach Parise is an elite player, be like, well, I'm not going to poo-poo it like in my day-to-day life, you know, I'm not going to bat an eye at it. But if you sit down and think about it, I'm like, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if that's the case. It needs to be somebody that, like you said, can't miss, um, you know, right away is like your best prospect, period. And generally, if they're that good, I mean, minus maybe, like you said, Elias Peterson, a few mm-hmm. people like that, really are pretty much on your team immediately. 
Yeah. I mean, maybe they spend a year wherever they have to just because of an age thing. You know, they're 18. And you're like, well, we just want to see what they do one more year of junior or something. Or the position you're in where you don't need him to contribute. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You, know? you could be like an amazing Tampa Bay Lightning team and have this guy that's setting the world on fire and go, hey, we don't have to rush him just mm-hmm. yet. So that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And I think Peterson's a great example to talk a little more about because he's a guy drafted out of Europe. European players are always expected to take longer to develop if they haven't played in juniors and come over, you know, much like Mm -hmm. our own Dominic Bach. And so this year he just literally owned the Swedish elite league. He was the best player. And that is a league full of grown men. Like Mm -hmm. there are many just Swedish adult players who aren't (laughs) quite good enough to play in the NHL, but play in that league for a living. And so the fact that he did that is eye popping. The fact that he was the top scorer, uh, in the regular season and playoff MVP is so notable that it makes a case for him coming through as a tier one prospect, even though he's waited a year. Um, so we tweeted the man himself, Steve Dangle, just kind of on a whim. I sent a tweet out to him and just said, curious, who would you consider the league's tier one prospects pyramid wise? Is it just Darlene or does it extend to some others? like Svechnikov, Middlestat, Peterson, etc. And he actually responded, which was the greatest joy mm-hmm. of my day. And he said, uh, the names you mentioned are about right. Middlestat is very good, but I'm not sure he's that high. Maybe Zadina. In hindsight, I had Nylander and Marner as tier two. Either that's the standards, which, holy crap! Uh, <laughs> I tried to say it like he would, but I failed. Uh, he said, or it was too low. Still say tier one should be crazy to crack. And I think, I mean, I think that's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the comments here uh, talked about Carter Hart, who I think is the Flames or Flyers goaltending prospect. I get those two mixed up, but really good, arguably the best goalie prospect. Again, maybe has an argument, maybe doesn't. That's the, I mean, that's just the thing. It's, it's really exclusive. Mm -hmm. That's his point. Um, so without dwelling on that too much, I just I wanted to give you all kind of a base, a kind of a basis for why we're not going to have anyone in that tier. And all of you should know we've talked up Robert Thomas especially plenty in the mm-hmm. past year. So it's not a we hate Robert Thomas thing. It's just an exclusivity of that tier trying to kind of do justice to the way Steve Dangle put it. Because as he said in that tweet, when he did this originally... He did not put Mitch Marner or William Nylander in that tier. Mm -hmm. And at the time, both were arguably higher rated prospects than even Thomas is now. So it's pretty exclusive. Um, And then finally, before we dive into it, uh, I I thought we could just quickly discuss a couple of Blues names that are kind of currently producing at the level of the tiers we're talking about. So Mm -hmm. not that they were necessarily that tier of prospect at one point, but like just to kind of get the level of impact that you would get from a tier player. If that tier reaches their ceiling, more or less. So if we have a tier one player, it's Tarasenko Mm -hmm. because he's just an elite, elite scorer. As high as we are on Petrangelo, I don't even think he's quite tier one because he just doesn't do enough offensively. He's a really good defenseman, and he's definitely Tier 2 level mm. uh, and probably really high in Tier 2, but I just don't think he brings quite enough to the offensive side. There's an argument. There's yeah. an arg- He'd be the only other one that I think there's an argument for on the team. No, I think that's a good point, though, too, is that 
when we get into this, there's a lot of times we can argue, you know, who's in what tier, and there's some good arguments to mm-hmm. be made. And I also think Tarasenko is a perfect example of somebody that I think if we had done this, whatever that would have been, eight years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> after we drafted him, tier two guy. Yeah. A yeah, tier exactly. two guy that definitely, as he moved on and progressed and played, moved into what I would consider tier one, was probably better than what people thought he was going to yeah, be. Yeah, that's a really good point to make. Thank you for adding that. Then tier two, you're looking at Jaden Schwartz, Braden Shen, Alex Petrangelo, probably Ryan O'Reilly if he plays at the same level or better, and that's probably it on the team. Maybe Colton Pareko falls in there, but I put him in tier three, I think, which is... Him, Jake Allen, Joel Edmondson, maybe David Perron. So this isn't all the players on our team, just for the record. Mm-hmm. But, so look at the difference there. Jaden Schwartz and Braden Shen for Tier 2 guys are guys you're looking at as centerpieces of your future, you know, mm-hmm. as so as is Alex Petrangelo and Ryan O'Reilly. Um, tier 3, you know, Jake Allen, I know we've been hard on him personally. The whole Blues fan community is pretty tough on him and and with plenty of good reason i wrote an article you know talking (laughs) but um but he is your starting everyday goaltender and at his best he's pretty good so i think there's a fair argument for him to be tier three colton pareko could be tier two i think he kind of underperformed last year so i put him as a tier three Mm -hmm. um edmondson as we already talk about kind of a defensive defender so sort of a tier three uh, Peron is sort of that tier three, mm-hmm. tier four territory. Uh, but then like just the drop off there, all of those are really good players that you like having around, but you wouldn't probably label any of them as indispensable. Uh, then tier four, I have Tyler Bozak and Pat Maroon. They're really great contributors, really great role players for your middle six, your top nine, however you want to look at it. Um, but just not elite really in any aspect yeah. of their game. There's, I don't want to say there's plenty of them around, but there's plenty of them around. You can pick those guys up <laughs> yeah. on UFA every summer. Yeah, they're hard. People want them. Obviously, people wanted Tyler Bozak and Pat Maroon, but it's not like you can't come by those Tyler, guys. Tyler Bozak's a great example because I'm sure Toronto would have loved to keep him at some price, mm. but he was worth more than the price they could pay for him. So he's like right on that edge of exactly. tier four. Where it's like he's really good, but he's still not. I, I don't want to say he's not a difference maker, even, but he's just not an impact player. He's not type driving of, your team. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, and then tier five, you know, you have kind of Ivan Barbashev, Dmitry asking bodies for your bottom six. Maybe they do something well, maybe they don't, mm. but, you know, they're there. They're playing in the NHL. Kudos to them. <laughs> You know, Barbashev still maybe has the potential to emerge from that tier. I mean, yes, and we're a little more skeptical skeptical about, but they're just kind of there. And yeah. then we don't necessarily really have tier six players on the roster because most, for the most part, those people aren't making the NHL. Mm-hmm. So, Chris Butler, there's. Your I was going to say it's your it's your weird eighth defenseman. Mm-hmm. 14th forward guy that just kind of shows Wade up. Megan Wade Megan. <laughs> Wade Megan's your tier six. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so without further ado, we'll clarify a little more just kind of as we talk about players. Um, but so again, in the first tier, as you can see on the image on Twitter, which I really suggest you all have up as we go through this. It'll be <laughs> this is a real class. This exactly. is a real, uh, 
like you to have your reading yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Turn to page 396. Uh, so, yeah, again, it's nobody in Tier 1. As good as Robert Thomas and and some of our other prospects are, they're just not quite there. And mm-hmm. in a way, you know, I mean, you want to have a Tier 1 prospect, obviously, but, like, in a way, if you have a Tier 1 prospect, there are probably some things going wrong yeah. for your franchise. <laughs> yeah, so. you're not in the best spot on the real team. Yeah, unless you just, like, got lucky. Even the team that arguably got lucky this year and maybe got one is still the Red Wings who are a dumpster fire right now. <laughs> They're just not quite the dumpster fire that Buffalo or whoever else is. You what know? a swimming achievement. Right. I guess Carolina is a better example since they won a lottery from a, a fairly low position. But mm-hmm. uh, So Tier 2, as you all probably will expect, Robert Thomas is in Tier 2. Um we drafted him 20th overall last year. He absolutely took over the world in his junior season last year with the uh, London Knights and the Hamilton Bulldogs. He won gold with Team Canada at the U-20 Championships. He won gold in 2015 at the U-17 Hockey Championships. And he won gold with Team Canada at the World Juniors last year. Pretty good resume. Would you say, like coaches like to say, would you say... He wins everywhere he goes. Yes, he seems to because yeah. he also won two CHL champion or OHL championships back to back years with two different teams, which is very rare. Folks, uh, this is a streak we cannot break. <laughs> but in reality, the Blues can break that streak. Uh, yeah, it certainly can. With but ease. Totally off subject, but just something I learned this week. Did you know that Jake Allen's won the equivalent of the Vesna Trophy at every? level he's played at so far like i said the he blues. won it in juniors <laughs> he won it in the ahl not winning it in the nhl <laughs> um but yeah so uh thomas recorded 75 points in 49 games last year and added 32 more in 21 playoffs game playoff games uh he helped the hamilton bulldogs capture the ohl championship and as i said helped the london knights do it the year before that uh, and he won the Wayne Gretzky 99 award in the process. Corey Pronman, who is the prospect exer- expert, I can't speak, prospect expert <laughs> par excellence, thank you, at the, at the Athletic, uh, there was a lot of in that sentence, uh, he ranked him as sixth prospect in hockey in his midseason projections last year. Now, this he might be down from that a little bit because you've added Svechnikov and Dahlin and and Zadina into that pool, but still probably a top 10 prospect in the whole NHL, according to Pronman. And he said, Thomas's development has been shooting upwards at a rocket speed the past few years, as he is now clearly one of the best players in his age group. He's a complete player who can drive play as a center and make high-level offensive plays. He's such an intelligent forward who sees the ice very well and understands how to use his skill and speed to create space and make plays. Every game this season I've watched Thomas, I don't remember a bad outing. He shows you flashes of being a dynamic player while staying committed defensively. Thomas has the potential to be an important center for the Blues. Do you have things to add about Robert Thomas? I'm just so damn excited. <laughs> There's we, so- ha- we had Tim the Toolman Taylor's weird broken anguish a few weeks back about him. He's got the lower body <laughs> like you like in the, in the game. In the bottom, like Sidney Crosby, it's good. <laughs> yeah, thanks, 
Tim. Um, I'm just excited. There's so much to be excited about going into this season that I sometimes forget, actually, that Robert Thomas is part of that mm-hmm. excitement because we got O'Reilly and we got Maroon and all these things happening. We moved out Berglund and Saboka, and it just seems so exciting. I'm like, oh, cool. And I'm like, oh, and Robert Thomas is probably going to make this team. I I say probably like he is, but I'll just say probably to be nice <laughs> because he's not going back to juniors. Catastrophe is what bars him from yeah. making this team. So I guess knock on wood because it is the Blues. So That's you never true. know. But... Uh, I just want to see him play, even if they play him at wing to start the year. I think he's got the potential. The only thing that I think is maybe, you know, a small, uh, I don't know, use the term blight on his game is, uh, yeah, it sounds terrible. Um, it's just his face off numbers. And that's, you never. <laughs> You're going to say his face. <laughs> <just> <laughs> Look, he's not a gorgeous boy. And I don't think he should be on this team. Though. Um, he shouldn't be the face of the team. No, that's for that's sure. That's reserved for Dominic Bach exclusively. Mm, we only need one face. Cheekbones. You can be the legs of the team that's because true. apparently you got a great bottom half. And the trunk, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, face-off numbers for like a young guy that I don't know. That's really hard to have someone coming out of junior that's just amazing, and then translates that to being amazing at face-offs right away yeah. in the NHL. And so. you've got Bozak. People typically do better over time at face-offs, but mm-hmm. you also have Bozak and O'Reilly for now who are g- both great at face-offs. Well, so. like they said, they might have one of those guys take the face-off and then just swap positions plus, during play. Plus, you've got Ryan O'Reilly, who is literally the best in the league, mm-hmm. to teach him. So, yeah, I had you to... Know, so, great. I had to Wonderful. literally pick, like, one random thing as, like, a negative. Because, no, you're right. You're right. Everything I mean, it's else, a good negative. But... No, because, I mean, everything else is super positive. Yeah. I don't think you're ever going to see him be this, like, player that's just flashy as hell and scoring goals right and left. But I think a good comparison for a ceiling is definitely um, Patrice Bergeron. Mm, I knew you were going to say it. Patrice yeah, Bergeron, you don't anyway. watch him play, and you don't go, wow, that guy's just, like bo- like, bonkers good. I've never seen a guy do that before, but he just keeps scoring and keeps getting points and keeps being good and that's what i think robert thomas is gonna be i'm sorry patrice bergeron one of my favorite non-blues players in the league so i want that so badly on this team. do we have a 37 is somebody 37 on this team I don't I think I can't so. think of one. Anyways, Robert Thomas wears 27 in juniors, mm. and that's that's a no-go. So, 37? Be our Patrice Bergeron, Robert Thomas. Anything less, and I'll be very upset. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I'm just excited to have him. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in this team, like we said. I don't know if there's necessarily a center role for him currently, unless you kind of move some people around, but... We can get to talking about that when we start seeing how this team shapes up in camp. But, yeah, he's definitely, I would say, our best prospect, but maybe not our flashiest prospect. We do not have a 37. I've done the requisite research. Very good. So there you go, Robert, Robert Tomas. (laughs) Yeah. Just be Patrice Bergeron (laughs) right away. The, The ceiling is set. That's the ceiling. Going. That's also my floor. Yeah, that's your floor. Yeah. yeah. You be that or else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the other player that we have in tier one. The, flash, tier two, the flashier me, player. The flashier player. But arguably the one with more potential to bust. Although I think there's still very little of that. 
yeah. uh, is Jordan Cairo. He was the 35th overall pick in the 2016 The Prize of the Brian Elliott trade. He captained the Sarnia Sting this past season and collected 109 points in 56 games. Uh, he was awarded the Jim Mahon or Man or Mahone Trophy. <laughs> uh, Memorial Trophy is the OHL's top scoring right winger, and I'm sure there's someone in our audience who knows NHL history much better than I do who's very angry at me for mispronouncing that, and I'm sorry. Um, he joined Thomas and winning gold at the IIHF World Juniors, or excuse me, World Under-20s and the 2015 Under-17s. Uh, and Pronman put him at 19th on that same ranking. He said, Cairo has been excellent this season in the OHL, even getting some looks for Canada's Olympic team, although he ultimately wasn't invited. He has dynamic qualities in his game. He's a great skater and puck handler who can push some pace and make highlight reel rushes. Cairo's decision-making used to worry me, but he's getting better in that regard, and his playmaking has impressed me more recently. He's averaging about an assist per game for the last two years. His shot is solid as well. If he plays off, or excuse me, his play off the puck can still be better, particularly physically, but with the puck, he can change a shift. I saw this guy at the um, prospect camp a couple of month or two ago at this point, not two, but a month ago, and he looked awesome. Uh, he just looked like a man among boys playing with a lot of prospects who had just been drafted or just quite frankly, weren't as good as him, who will be discussed lower on this pyramid. Um, he looks great. He's so fast. He's got his head up all the time. He's got sweet hands. Uh, he, in that setting, occasionally held the puck a little too long and tried to do too much with it, but it's a prospect camp. I'm not going to hold that too much against him, but a couple of times he also made incredible uh, passes. I think one of the games, one of the scrimmage games went to overtime and he found like Tyler Tucker for a backdoor feed for the game winner. Um, one of our like very low ranked defensive prospects. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's got that ability to, I'm just, just all sorts of excited for this guy. Mm. I think we talk about Robert Thomas so much that it's almost a disservice to how good Jordan Cairo is. I just think the reality is Cairo is probably still a little farther off. Mm -hmm. uh, the team is certainly built for him to have to really bust into it if he's going to make it. Um, and we, you know, time will tell how likely that is. Mm -hmm. I think he spends most of this year in the AHL. Maybe he gets a call up when someone's injured for a long time mm -hmm. and he ends up, you know, just breaking into the league and he never goes back down. The, you see that happen maybe a couple times a year to a couple different prospects throughout sports. It's like, oh, they got brought up and now they're here to stay. So that could be him. I think he's got a shot at that. But like you said, it's kind of a log jam at wing. We've got plenty of those. And if he's not as defensively responsible, you can kind of hide that on the third line or something like that. But if the other option is Robert Thomas, who is very much a two-way forward, you just know who the coach prefers. You mm -hmm. know who the GM prefers to see play in that role. But I think Jordan Cairo has all the abilities to be like great in the AHL and just demand to be played in the mm -hmm. NHL as the season progresses, especially next year, next season, when you've got maybe a few guys you might be able to move around and you can just bring them up and it'll be cheaper. Mm -hmm. That's always the great thing for uh, cup contending teams is you just fill out 
your bottom parts of your team with just young, cheap talent. Yeah. Um, not that he's not very talented because he is. It's a, an amazing skater. I think that's the thing I'm most blown away by is he's just, when I've watched him, he's not overly tall, but he reminds me a lot of Jay Bomeister mm-hmm. in the speed department where it's like he doesn't really move his legs all that much. He's just kind of gets there quickly. Yeah. He's not, he's not a, uh, he's not a nail Yakupov moving his feet <laughs> about a hundred steps a second. It's just super smooth. I look forward to having someone that's offensively dynamic on this team. I mean, you've got Tarasenko. we got guys that can pass and everything, but we seem to have a lot of guys that are sort of a little more thought of as like straight line guys. Or defense first, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's good to have, but we don't see you as don't much. You only that. <laughs> yeah, and we don't see as much flash on this team as you'd kind of like as far as entertainment value goes. So yeah. I think he'd be fun to see. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited we have two of these guys because I think if you go around the league – to different teams that are in the Blues position, a team that's maybe like a bubble playoff team, at least especially going into the summer. Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot of teams that are, I will say, as high up as the Blues are right now with prospects that good in like a tier two that could break into the league. Normally, you might have one guy there. So I think it's pretty good that a team where the Blues sit have those two prospects ready to go. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that... Brings it in to tier two for us. Uh, and I'm sure there are people out there screaming in their car that we forgot <laughs> Quim Kosen. I promise you, we did not. He is just, just out of tier two, I mm-hmm. would say, at this point. And I think it has probably more to do with um, the fact that he just got kind of jerked around a lot last year at the AHL level. For sure. And he could play consistently at San Antonio this year and knock his way right into tier two uh, really quickly. Um, and, and I should say now, because I didn't think to mention it earlier, we have kind of a kind of adopted uh, Steve Dangles threshold. So prospects are considered anyone who's played less than 50 NHL games uh, at this point in their career. So there'll be a couple names on here, like uh, Zach Sanford, that you might think, like, are they really a prospect? And then there won't be, like, an Ivan Barbashev where you're like, eh, they're still kind of a prospect, and it's just that threshold. You've got to cut it off somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there are obviously players we could talk about more, and if you want that, hit us up on Twitter and we'll do it. But, uh, yeah, so Costin doesn't apply there because he hasn't played any NHL games. That's just what I thought to say. <laughs> uh, he was the 31st overall pick in the first round of 2017, uh, he was the unfortunate victim of the bad AHL situation last year. Um, uh, and he, as we all know, was a, a very highly thought of European skater who got injured most of his draft year and fell to the Blues because of that. Uh, but he still managed to make 29 on uh, prominent rankings. He said, Coaston's draft season was derailed by injuries, but he's looked quite good this year. He has had an, He had an excellent training camp with the Blues and has been fine, albeit not great, in the AHL, and had an excellent World Juniors, which he really did have a really extraordinary World Juniors last year. Uh, The things to get excited about are obvious. He's a big, strong winger with skill who not only can dangle, but shows the quality offensive instincts to make plays around him at high speed and score, too. I worry about his foot speed and his defensive play, and there's a small question in my brain about how high-end his skill is, but overall, I think he's shown why there was such optimism for him 
at one point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that sums it up pretty well. What do you think about Quim Costin? Yeah, I really hope he finds his game in the HL this year when we're able to put him on a second line mm-hmm. and just stick him there and go, you know, do your best here and we'll see what you got. It's nice to have a power forward in our draft pool. You mm-hmm. know, you don't see that as much anymore. I think you get a lot of guys that are just speed, speed, speed. And you can still be big and have speed, but I think it slowly caters to some smaller players, which is fine, but it just means you don't see as many, I will say, sort of David Backus-esque players. And I think they're still useful, but, you know, by a wide margin. But like was mentioned in Promen's report there, he still has good hands, good offensive vision, probably lacks the defensive side a little bit. I mean, you could almost say that about every prospect mm-hmm. ever it just seems to be Except that way Robert thomas he's it's, a golden god he's look that's why god. he's tier two and i fought steve and i said robert thomas tier one but he said no <laughs> so you can blame him i said robert thomas he's got the bottom half of Sidney crosby he's not even tier one he's tier alpha yeah he's like <laughs> tier zero he's like patient zero um yeah i could see costa moving into tier two it just it's you just want to see you want to see something in the AHL and like you said it's not his fault it's he just didn't really have a, a clean spot in the AHL a normal yeah. spot and I think one thing we could do if there's significant reason to is we could revisit this mid season yeah. and talk about who's moved where and yeah at very least and, something to reference yeah exactly yeah. um what was I I thought I was going to add something about Clem Costum but it's out of my head now so I'll come back to it if I think of it. Eric Foley is in Tier 3. He was the 78th overall pick in 2015 by Winnipeg. He came over in the Stastny trade. He scored 34, 35 points in 38 games uh, at Providence College last year. He looked really comfortable at the prospect camp. Uh, Lou Korak tweeted, Big, strong, quick, nice hands. Doesn't hesitate to shoot the one-timer. Lots to like. Why did you put Eric Foley in <laughs> Tier 3 uh, when he's clearly... Tier three. <laughs> <laughs> we t- just sort of talked about um, power forwards. Now there's not very many of them. Eric Foley sort of fits that bill too. He's a little bit smaller than what a power forward would be. I mean, he's what six foot. It says uh, listed 185 pounds. Could probably mm-hmm. put on a little more weight, but he plays that power forward role. I think when you're smaller and you play a power forward role, you become less of a power forward and you become more of like a skilled pest. Mm-hmm. Like I like to think of maybe that isn't the perfect. Brad yeah, exactly. Brad Marchand, if he was larger, would be David Perron, even as yeah. like a less. He'd be a way example. better Milan Lucic, uh-huh. you know, sort of thing. So I think Foley kind of straddles that what will be like a skilled pest versus mm-hmm. power forward line. Uh, plays in straight lines, goes straight to the net. Doesn't have as much skill to spare, but I think like any good uh, scout would tell you then. But he makes up for it in determination and grit. And we need that. Yeah, and you want to see that. I think he'll be someone worth watching on the Rampage this year. I mean, everyone is, and it'll be fun to watch an AHL team the Blues own. But I think there's a few guys, as Stephen and I have slowly begun to kind of acquaint ourselves with the Blues prospect pool, that are going to kind of stick out and be like, ooh, that's a guy to see how he progresses to this year. And I think Eric Foley is definitely one of them. And I could see Foley being a guy, too, who pushed 
pushes for not an immediate roster spot, but pushes to be that guy who's kind of called up mm-hmm. in the case of an injury, particularly if you have a guy like, let's say, Pat Maroon or David Perron who goes, gets injured for a while because he'll fit into that role nicely uh, instead of, you know, forcing himself into like a Jane Schwartz role or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and I remember what I wanted to say about Quim Costum, which is just... Uh, it's it's really nice to me that of our three top prospects, because as much as we put Coston in tier three, I think that's still pretty obvious that there's like a drop off after him mm-hmm. to any of our other prospects. But it's really nice that of our top three prospects, they're all very different stylistically. Not that it would be like a bad thing if you had like two playmaking centers as your top prospects, but even you kind of look at... Um, at Edmonton right now, mm-hmm. and it's like Connor McDavid's, you know, really, 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 really elite, and then like Leon Dreisaitl's right at elite or or just very, 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 very good, and like, but they play the same role, and so there's constantly, and I think we'll always be talk about Leon Dreisaitl being traded to mm-hmm. like fill a bigger need, you know, the the Colton Pareko links. Like, they need a defense really desperately, so would they trade him to get a player like that? Um, and I think, you know, until a couple years ago, really, there was still, like, constantly talk about, like, oh, they'll trade Evgeny Malkin out of Pittsburgh to, like, fill mm-hmm. a role, you know, because he's also a center or whatever. And, like, it's a blessing to have Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. Obviously, they've done very well with it, but it's also nice to have Sidney Crosby and Phil Kessel and, you know, whoever third player you want to, um, Jake Gensel or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, three very different players that play different roles on different lines and things. I, I just think that's, well, that's kind, a good point. Kind of a cool feature. Um, Philly Huso. So goalies are hard to evaluate. Let's just, mm-hmm. the information's not there that as much. They take a lot longer to, ve- to develop. Their numbers are more team dependent. So it's like you could look and be like, oh, he had a 2.9 goals against average. He's not that good. And then you're like, oh, but his team sucked, whatever, you know. So that's harder. Let's just say that up front. But we have Billy Huso in th- tier three. And I think that's right. I was going to mm-hmm. say he could maybe push tier two, uh, but I don't think that's quite there. Um, so he's the 94th overall pick in 2014. He's 23 years old. He won a U-20 World Junior Cup uh, gold medal in 2014, which I did not know. Uh, I think backing up UC Saros, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Weird. <laughs> um, but he uh, tore up the SM Liga, which is the Finnish league in 2015-16. Uh, he made the all-star team. He had the best goals against average of 1.91 he had the best um save percentage of 0.927 he had the plus best playoff goals against average of 1.55 he won a silver medal which i guess means his team came in second place and he won the erpo ilnonen award for best goal story the story award uh, that's an award that's previously been won by Antti Ranta, Nicholas Backstrom, Kari Lettinen, Mika Kiprasov, and even the great Finnish goaltender Tim Thomas. So <laughs> uh, the story of Tim Thomas just keeps getting stranger. I had no idea. Um, but in any case, uh, so he had a, a really phenomenal 2015-16. He jumped to the AHL. He's been pretty great there both years. Uh, he hasn't posted a goals against average higher than 250 uh, or a um, 
uh, save percentage lower than two nine twenty. Uh, this past year, he was an AHL All Rookie Team because he didn't play a lot the year before that. Um, but he had a, t- a two forty two goals against average and a nine twenty two save percentage in thirty eight games. Tony Wolak of the Hockey Writers, one of my peers at the Hockey Writers. I just try to try to be his own uh, horn tootie as I can mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. time I mention him. <laughs> uh, he ranked him as the tenth best goaltending prospect in the league right now, which is pretty good because there are a lot of good ones. Uh, you can look up his article for more information on that. Um, and then in 2015-16, Greg Ballack of In Goal Magazine ranked him as the seventh best goaltending prospect behind a group. I realize this is old, but it is interesting considering that he was behind Connor Hellebuck, Malcolm Subban, Ilya Samsonov of the Capitals, who is the player that um, Wolak ranked first amongst goalie prospects right now. Uh, Eric Comrie of the Jets, who I don't know a lot about, Matt Murray, and UC Sar. <laughs> so pretty highly ranked. At the time, he said at six foot three, he isn't required to play with quickness and aggression, so he chooses a more structured route to success. Scouts believe that there is still some untapped raw ability deep down that he has yet to harness, which has Blues management extremely excited to work with him. Uh, and then Hockey's Future at the time said his physical skills and technical abilities match those of many of the top goalies in his age group, and his production is starting to match his talent level. Um, at the time, I think when he was drafted, there were questions about his effort level, and I think those questions have dissipated over time. So I think he's a really well-regarded goalie prospect. Do you mm-hmm. have anything to add about Billy Huso? What was the name of that publication? The Ingle Magazine. Is that a magazine about yes. goalies, hockey goalies, yes. period? Yes. What a niche thing. It's probably out of business because <laughs> hockey's future is, and that makes me sad. So. I was like, that's got to be like 20 pages. Yeah. I'm especially sure in the dead of summer. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'm excited for Huso. That's, he's kind of filling. The Jake Allen spot for when we had Halak and Elliott, where I was like, ooh, we got this one guy that's definitely going to make the NHL, or I would think so. I don't know what he's going to be when he gets here, but, you know, it's better than some of these other goalies. You'll find teams with four or five goalies, and they'll tell you straight up, oh, none of these guys are going to be starters for us. Mm. We just hope maybe we strike gold with them. I think Huso definitely has starter potential. We have... Johnson on a one-year deal mm-hmm. in the NHL this year. I don't think Huso sees any time in the NHL unless Allen or Johnson get hurt or either of them, you know, succumb to space madness. Um, <laughs> I think I think Huso's our backup next season, not this upcoming season, but the nineteen twenty season. So I probably agree. However, mm-hmm. I could see. Oh. I could see uh, Billy Huso just totally blowing Chad Johnson out of the water at camp and just earning the backup job. That'd be interesting. I think Chad Johnson was brought in kind of with that in mind. I think I think the plan is absolutely... It's very mm. different from like the Brian Elliott-Ben Bishop situation where Brian Elliott was brought in just to make... Ben Bishop work a little harder and Brian Elliott worked too hard and just became <laughs> Brian. Whoa, whoa, whoa. One of, the, one of the best goalies in franchise history, kind of sadly. Um, but <laughs> sad both that 
it was Brian Elliott and that he did it in like four years. <laughs> um, but in any case. What a franchise. <laughs> but in any case, like, I think it's kind of the inverse of that where I think Chad Johnson's expected to have the job, but mm. it was also a message to Billy Husa, like, hey, you have to fight for it if you want it. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think more than, more likely than not, he's in the AHL. Um, and I, I really think it, he, it's just hard to rank goalies. And I think the reality is he's probably about the level of prospect that Jake Allen was mm-hmm. on the time at the time. And if Jake Allen didn't have the shadow realm issues, he'd be a really good goalie. I don't know that he'd quite be, you know, a top tier NHL goalie, but he'd be right under that. And so yeah, if Billy Hughes became that, that'd be great. Exactly. Billy Huso, I'm just asking you to be a normal goalie. No head problems. Just be normal. Yeah. Be as normal as a Finnish NHL goaltender can be. Yeah. That's all we ask. I mean, you would think they'd be pretty cool and competent because Finnish people don't seem like they lose their cool ever at all. Or have it to begin with. We've all all seen Patrick Wine's facial hair. There's no (laughs) chill there. Um, Yeah, and like teams have won cups with Corey Crawford and... And anti Niemi, and that's just the Blackhawks. So <laughs> it can be done, you know, as all. So you don't have to have the elite goaltender to win a cup, just mm. someone steady. So why don't you take us through some of the other players we have in tier three? I will. <laughs> <laughs> I debated it and I decided, yes, I will do what you asked. Um, in tier three, we've got three more, three more players. We'll start with uh, Alexei Toropchenko, who was drafted uh, back in just way back in 2017 in the fourth round, 113th pick. Right winger shoots left, as it seems to be all Russians do. I think Russians uh, do not do the typical North American or Canadian way of if your writing hand is your right hand, you now shoot left because your dominant hand is at the top of your stick. I think Russian players do your dominant hand is at the bottom of your stick. Which is what I do because I'm wrong. So That's what I do too. Yeah, exactly. So. We're all wrong. The NHL is right, mm-hmm. and Russia's wrong with us because yeah, he's a right winger, shoots left. I believe Clem Costin is also a right winger, shoots left. So you're saying all three of Tarasenko, Costin, and Toropchenko are naturally left-handed. I, is that correct? Yeah. Wonderful, because I'm left-handed, and those. I guess are yeah. That is what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, it's pretty amazing. I I put Toropchenko in tier three, maybe more of a heart move than a head move. I think he's got the potential. It surprised me a little bit. I think he's got the potential to be what I'll say is like a top nine player, a guy that can kind of move up and down the lineup. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't end up being that, But he's a guy that scored 39 points in his 66 games with the Gulf Storm this season. He's probably had a... what storm? The Gulf? The Gulf Storm. Oh, it's the Guelph. That's right. (laughs) Oh, it just sounds weird. Canada. Uh, Get a different name, town. (laughs) He's he's a big guy. Six foot three, 187 pounds. We talked about it during the... uh, rookie camp he can skate like the wind plays in a straight line which is slightly different for a russian player a lot of russian players kind of like to get a little fancy but he plays right at the net can kind of go through anybody he wants to mm-hmm. i think he has a game a game and a frame to be an nhl contributor maybe 
when he makes the AHL team. I don't think he can play in it this year. I think he's got to go back to well. I think he can. Can I think he? he was in San Antonio at the very tail end of last year. So really? I think he's eligible. I'm going to say that he's not because okay. he's not 20 by December of this year, I think is the cutoff. But it does sound odd because I'd like him to be in the AHL. I think Juniors is, I don't want to say it's like a waste on him, but I just want to see what he has against men because I think he has the potential to play against them. Um, like I said, maybe a stretch, maybe more of a Tier 4 guy, but I think Tier 3 is where I see him being as Steve looks up uh, his birth date and all that good stuff. He did play one game in the AHL last year. Okay. I don't know what that in, if that's just okay after you <laughs> finish your NHL. I don't know, maybe. But as you said, he was 19 and just turned 19 in June. So um, by the normal standard, he wouldn't be eligible, but I do wonder if there's kind of a different... I know it's standard for European players because he did not play in juniors until last year. Yeah, but I still think that counts as his, him playing juniors, though. Fair enough. It just I depends if he was drafted, I guess, into juniors. Yeah. Which it looks like he was drafted in 2017 as the number four overall in Guelph in the in the uh, import draft, which also kind of speaks to his talent level being number fourth overall. Um I think it's a good thing to see also a Russian player playing in juniors over here. Kind of shows a commitment to the North yeah, American game. Absolutely. It's great. I think he wants to be here. He seemed really friendly when I passed him in the hall <laughs> at prospect camp. So just another point. When you gave him a high five and he gave you finger guns. And yeah. The whole like, deal. We're best friends. I had to friends. jump off the ground to give him a high five. <laughs> he's so tall. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's a guy to look for and watch. Probably the... One to look for and watch in juniors of any of our players playing in juniors this year. Uh, our next player is Dominic Bach. We put him Ooh. in tier three. Another bit of a stretch for a different reason. I think tier three is just fine for Dominic Bach, but we just drafted him. So it's kind of a stretch just in that we don't know that much about him currently. We know some. We know Corey Promen has a man crush on Dominic Bach. And, and- definitely. I mean, for a good reason. Oh. I mean, do you look at the cheekbones? Just a handsome fellow. Robert that. Thomas <laughs> can go down in the troll basement. <laughs> and Dominic Bach is the poster His boy. His face is not good. <laughs> <laughs> Dominic Bach, TJ Oshi 2.0, and then some. Ooh. I'll say it. TJ Oshi Ar- might have a cup, but... Doug Armstrong knew nothing about his skill. He just saw his headshot and was like, we got to trade up and get that guy. Where's he going to fall, Bill? And Bill was like, I don't know, like mid-20s. And he's like, okay, we got to get him. Then we traded up to get him. And the bow tie. Mm. 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 But You ch- can chew whatever gum you want, <laughs> Dominic. Yeah, we'll let that slide. <laughs> I think Bach, with everything we've read about him and, and some of these prospect sort of articles and things like that is that he's probably going to settle into a a tier three a top nine role he's said himself that it's going to take a while for him to get over to the to a north american game standard everywhere around the world sorry (laughs) know where that came from i mean he was going to cross the ocean coming to america oh okay song that's very famous i apologize (laughs) not not for me it isn't um (laughs) Ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> Something's going off the rails. Gee darn. But uh, I think Bach, he's got the hands, he's got the skating ability. I think everything's there. It's just to see 
that he sort of ticks all those boxes as he progresses. I think he's probably two or three years out, but I think a tier, I think if you put him in tier four, in all honesty, for a kid, even though he's that young, kind of a disservice. I think he's yeah. a tier three easy. Yeah, and I think, so a couple things to know. All of these tiers are kind of a placement on a spectrum of talent versus readiness. So like talent being what their ceiling could be versus readiness isn't exactly the right word, but like potential to make it there. Like hockey's future used to do a grading, a two tier grading system where it would be like one to 10 is their talent level. And then like a to F is their like how accurate that grade is basically. So if they were like a 10 a, it was like Connor McDavid because mm-hmm. he's an elite, elite player and he's not going to miss that. But like, you know, a, a, a really good player might be like an eight B or whatever, you know? And so this is kind of that same concept where you're trying to grade their talent and their ceiling and also sort of be like, how far away are they? So his talent ceiling might be a tier two because mm. He might be a top six sniper kind of winger. You know, he's drawn the Leon Dreisaitl comparisons. Um, but he's just so far away at this point that you can't comfortably put him out there. Yeah. And like you said, I think tier four would be a disservice for him because I think he'll probably be better than that. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think it's just perfect spot for him. Yeah. The other thing to mention is that for the most part, we did not rank this year's prospects because there's just not enough mention. Uh, information about him. We kind of, in parentheses, put Perunovic in Tier 4, uh, but we probably won't even talk about him that much when we get there. Mm. So there's one player left in Tier 3. Yes. His name is Jordan Schmaltz. But, Ian, isn't he terrible? Yes. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he's not terrible. I think... He's a victim of this team having a lot of good defensemen, I guess, would be my argument. I still think if he's as good as we hope he is, which is a first-round pick in, what, 2012? Uh-huh. Yeah, 25th overall. Or no, yeah, 25th. Yes, 25th overall. That's also his age next season, um, which is kind of the thing. He'll be 25. We drafted him way back in 2012. I think he is, was the only player in that first round that hadn't made his NHL debut yet when we did debut him, Mm -hmm. maybe of all the players that were still around and signed to a team. I don't know what we plan on doing with him. He's got talent. He's got potential. But if we just, I don't think he's the seventh defenseman. I don't think you just put him in the press box. He needs guaranteed third line role this year, or he should probably be traded. That's what I'm saying. Just at that point, Trade him, or you sit him down. And also, isn't doesn't he remain unsigned? Isn't he the last RFA? Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he's we tendered him. Makes you wonder. But he hasn't signed yet. Um, and that's the thing. Do you sit him down and you say, "Hey, Jay Bomeister and Carl Gunnarsson are here, and we're going to play him." But if one of them gets injured, we'll put you in. Slash, they'll be gone next year, and that's when we insert you. But then he's like twenty. You're twenty six. We said if you played fifty games or more, you're not a prospect anymore. If you're 26, he's, you're not a prospect yeah, exactly. anymore. Yeah. As like he hasn't played 50 games, but he's barely a prospect. Yeah. Gareth Moyes of I think I think Moyes Rant. No, he's with the other one. I'm sorry, I'm I'm blanking on names at the moment of websites. There's but. so many great blues content yes. creators. Yes, exactly. Um 
But he uh, posted a poll about which of a, a several po- players was the biggest draft bust and one of uh, of Armstrong's tenure. And one of them was Jordan Schmaltz. And I think it's just a hair too early to call him that, but it could get there pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and, and so if you can trade him for like even just a like a like if you could get a Dominic Bach kind of guy for him where it's like maybe slightly higher potential, but further out, that might be fine. Mm-hmm. Or just like a pick. Like if you could trade him to make up the second round pick you gave to the Savers, do it. That'd be great. Yeah. You know, I'd take that. Even if it's in 2021, like that sort of thing. So. He's, he's the type of player that if he had the opportunity to play top six, I think would be able to. Yeah. I think but so. I'd also wonder if he was good enough for that when the Blues find a way to play him there. So then I wonder, maybe the Blues see something that we don't. Or yeah. maybe it's just the log jam. It's I don't possible know. he's just a bust. But for the time being, Tier 3 seems appropriate for mm-hmm. him. Uh, tier 4 includes Sammy Blay, mm-hmm. Adam Musil, Zach Sanford, Nolan Stevens, Nico Mikola, Jake Wallman. Uh, we put Scott Perunovich on there. Uh, Mitch Reinke and Evan Fitzpatrick. Look at me knowing all the first names of all those players. Uh, (laughs) What do you want to say about any of them? Let's just go through them. We're going to talk at length about each one. (laughs) And I'm going to give you their age. It's going to be a two-guy, three-hour podcast. Yeah, height, weight, the whole deal. Um, Looking at this, looking at our visual over here that you guys can't see, but you can see because we've posted this to Twitter, (laughs) and we have to. Um, Sammy Blay, I think, is the guy... That while tier four, which says, you know, top nine talent, you know, just maybe, you know, a regular role player. I think he is, to me, the first guy that gets called up for any injury, period. How old is he now? Uh, Sammy Blay is 22. Okay. Wow. I would have thought he was probably a little older than that. So that's cool. Yeah. I think, like we mentioned before, if you had someone that got hurt and, you know, your third line, you go, oh, you could put in Eric Foley or somebody like mm-hmm. that. I think some of those guys maybe still do better with more ice time in the AHL, whereas Sammy Blake can just like plug and chug. I think he's someone that could be moved in immediately. I think Zach Samford, who's in this tier four, is also a guy that you can move in immediately due to injury. Zach Samford, another guy that's not exactly like uh, Jordan Schmaltz, but it's kind of like, what are you? Let's talk about Zach yeah. Samford for a minute. Uh, so he's the 61st overall pick in 2013 That's out of Washington Capitals. Exactly. He's six foot four, 207 pounds. Mm. Unbelievable. <laughs> he's the left wing. He's from Salem, Massachusetts, so he's probably a witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and he has 21 points in 64 career games. Uh, or, excuse me, in 64 games in 2016 between... The Hershey Bears, the Washington Capitals, and the St. Louis Blues. So, but enough of those were in Hershey that he hasn't hit the fifty game threshold. As we all know, he missed most of last season with a shoulder injury. Um, so, it's just I think it's really hard to put him on this list anywhere because you just don't know where he's at right now. Uh, hockey's future back closer to his draft year. Uh, said, Sanford has the ideal frame for the NHL. 
uh, but he could stand to add a bit more strength and weight, making him even more difficult to play against in the future. His skating is solid, though unspectacular. Samford possesses excellent vision and playmaking ability and has shown an ability to make those around him better. He is still very raw, but has all the makings of the gym the Capitals envisioned when they took him in the second round back in 2013, and given his size and skill set, he could be a top six power forward if he fulfills his potential though he seems more suited to be a third-line winger when all is said and done. I think all of that remains fair. The one thing I did notice about Zach Sanford's skill set in the relatively small amount of time we got to see him at the NHL level was he has really nice hands for a bigger player. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had ability to make plays in tight and make pretty slick dekes and passes, and I think that could benefit him well especially at that size it's a little unexpected um but from the shoulder situation it's it's just hard to know where he fits mm. in and i think one of the things that's interesting as, as we as we talk through this tier and a lot of guys who have a chance to make an nhl impact is with the team constructed right now where are they gonna make that mm. impact you know and and I think all of these guys, you know, you mentioned Boy and Samford, either of them could be a bottom six guy on a on a lesser NHL team right now pretty easily, I think. Uh, Adam Musil could be a fourth-line guy on a lesser mm-hmm. NHL team, I think, who we'll talk about. Nolan Stevens probably right there as well. Um, Mikola and Reinke could be bottom-pairing defensemen for those teams. But the team is constructed in such a way, especially if you kind of assume, as we sort of do at the moment, uh, that Pat Maroon's going to be extended when the opportunity avails itself to the Blues. Um, it's just kind of a logjam for a while. Mm. And so, you know, even if you see, I could see a guy like Steen getting traded to make room for Cairo, uh, but you don't see them trading Perron or Bozak very soon because that would be kind of a douche move to <laughs> either of them, especially Perron. Like, let's just let him stay for now. Just right? let him retire here. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, unless you're planning something crazy with, you know, Schwartz or Tarasenko or, or Shen or, you know, someone out there, which I really don't expect, uh, kind of curious to see where some of these guys fit in, not only just this year where you're not necessarily expecting them to, but longer term. Um, no, I think it's good to look up that higher, look that forward into the future, because I think guys like Stevens and Mikola have a really good shot at making an NHL roster. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I, I mean, I hope it's this roster. I just don't know where, but they're the, I mean, they're exactly, I guess the, the, I think Mikola could be a bottom, the positive side bottom is pairing. they're exactly the kind of, you know, kind of an Eric Foley, maybe a little less potential there, but like the kind of player that you could comfortably trade for even like a rental at the deadline if you thought mm-hmm. you were making a playoff push because it's not going to bankrupt your future to trade a guy like that. So it's nice to have a lot of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one thing I'd add is that like even our bottom line, even our fourth line is, I don't want to say set in stone, but you kind of know it's going to be Barbashev, Yaskin, and Sashnikov. Mm-hmm. Unless some one of them gets traded or injured, you know. So like, yeah. it's just our top twelve, our our whole forward group, and really our whole defensive core, unless Gunnarsson and and Bomeister don't recover, is pretty much set for the upcoming year. So it makes me wonder if maybe there are more moves afoot, or just 
maybe uh, Armstrong's learned from mistakes of the past and wants to have way too much depth instead of way too little. It's nice to have. I think we have maybe a little more space on the defensive side of things. I think in Tier 4, like a Jake Wallman, a Mitch Ranke, mm-hmm. um, they have some shots at making this team eventually. Not yeah. this year, I don't think. But Jake Wallman's an interesting one because... I could just we could just brush over this and pretend these episodes never happened. But there were a lot of talk last year, you know, maybe a month out from this time last year, that uh, Jake Wallman was essentially in Vince Dunn's current spot. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, Jake Wallman's going to make this team. He's a man amongst boys in these rookie camps. He looked, you know, pretty decent during the uh, Traverse City. And then he did. So if we delete those three episodes, then this is episode forty-seven. Exactly. <laughs> um, he had an a, like not the best training camp, and then he just didn't have a great first year in the AHL last year. Again, kind of being moved around a lot. I think the 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 reality there is partially just Vince Dunn stole his spot. Oh, a hundred percent. But I think Jake Wallman also right. kind of shrank a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still think he's a good prospect, but again, I guess I'm just saying I think someone like Mikola could end up taking like a Bowmeister spot when you have Gunnarsson still here, maybe. And then um, if Schmaltz gets traded, I guess. I think yeah, there's a little more room. As you kind of alluded to, I would expect Bowmeister to be, I'm almost certain Bowmeister will be gone after this season. Mm-hmm. I would think. More likely than not, Gunnarsson is too, mm-hmm. because I don't think he'll want to be paid what we would be comfortable paying him to be a third line guy. Yeah, um, maybe the smallest role on this team. But is or is um, Robert Bortuzzo going to be here? Does he have a? He's got just the last year. Right? I want to say he's just got one more year left, and it's not the biggest role. But you can get another guy as a seventh yeah, defenseman. I mean, you I- might get more of a a um, veteran or something than a rookie. But... I don't think he's even really been our seventh. You know, I think he's been pretty consistently top six. Because well, yeah, with injuries, our injuries. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think all three of those guys could leave, which does create spaces for Ranky and Wallman and Schmaltz maybe, but then do you want to wait another year and you still have Mikola and, and, and all of that. So it's yeah. interesting. I'd say out of tier four, the people I'd look at watching closely are Stevens and Mikola. I think both of them having their first AHL year this year, and they both looked really good in the, respectively the Finnish League and then in, I think, College. Northeastern for Stevens. Um, it'd just be interesting to see what they do in the AHL. I'm always interested to see what people do with their sort of leap year, if you will, their first year into a pro league. I'm really excited about Stevens, unreasonably so. Yeah, I know, me too. (laughs) Just I think he'll be a really nice contributor to your bottom six. Yeah. Good teams need those. And I guess the last person to talk about in Tier 4 is Evan Fitzpatrick, the goalie. Um, Last year he started out kind of rocky when he was with the Sherbrooke Phoenix uh, 8.74 or 0.874 save percentage, 3.48 goals against average. Not great. Evidence real bad, but evidence partially of what we mentioned earlier that like if your team's really bad, it's hard to know if yeah what the goalie is because when he was traded. Yeah, when he went to the Akadi <laughs> Akadi Bathurst Teton. <laughs> Gotta say the most boring way for the city the and then the most French way, yes. way for the team name. Uh, 
played a much better 21 games or again had a much better team in front of them a 0.915 save percentage a 2.24 goals against average both of which are extremely good for junior oh yeah junior is just like a goal fest yeah, exactly. in fact i'd almost say what he had in sherbrooke i looked up sherbrooke's record they were above 500 <laughs> <laughs> with with a point eight seven four save percentage goalie they were above 500 yeah it's yeah it's nuts and then uh the, uh, Not to t- mention that the Teton yeah. saw him and were like, we need to add that. <laughs> yeah, that dude's so. great. <laughs> uh, the Teton also went on to win the QMJHL championship. Uh, again, Fitzpatrick had an amazing playoffs, a .925 save percentage. Great, great. That's great in the that's NHL. In the NHL. <laughs> yeah, 2.1 goals against average. So. He definitely, again, it might just be the teams in front of him getting Think about better. How many shots that means for juniors, especially? Well, well for those two to kind of agree, mm-hmm. like for your save percentage to be nine point nine two five, and for you to still be allowing in over two goals per game, mm-hmm. that has to be kind of a, an absurd amount. That's like fifty shots yeah, for sure. Exactly. But his projection as the year went on, he got better and better. I put him tier four because. Again, it's a goalie. You just never know. But And then I don't know. Our goalies are so weird. When you're signed to these contracts, pro contracts, they might not start just yet. You might still be in juniors. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the pro, that's when your ELC kicks in and everything. Or I guess your your pro contract, we'll just call it. Um, and I think Bennington. Bennington. Is signed one year in the AHL deal, and he's for sure there. Fitzpatrick has is signed with the Blues. I don't know if that necessarily means he'll play with the Rampage. I believe... And then Huso's there, so I don't know where we fit some of these guys. I think Somebody we're one... will play ECHL. Yeah, I, I guess, guess so. It might be him then. I think he's probably the odd man probably out. probably the odd man yeah. out. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. But Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at this list of the guys who are potentially rising the most, I would put Fitzpatrick probably as one of the big risers after his... Mm-hmm. Uh, performance last year and that'll be one of the really fun things is to see where these guys shake out next year when we do uh, presumably do this again every summer but uh, another thing I wanted to mention just before we move on is that Sammy Blay was on an honorable mention on that uh, Corey Promen mid-season ranking he's just a really interesting player because he was such a low round pick because he was so small and then he just had a huge growth spurt be kind of like you know Scott Perunovich has joked about having you know his father's really big and so he still expects a growth spurt and like that is a a funny joke right now but if he hits a growth spurt then it's like a steal because that's like why he was passed over you know so Sammy Blay too has like the body of an NHL player and like the shot of an NHL player I think if he gets consistent time in the NHL again I don't don't know how that comes to be injuries I guess but he would, I think he would stick because he just has to learn. He had so yeah. many injuries last year that he was just inconsistently yeah. on the team. So he's inconsistent in his playing style and what he did. And he wasn't really a big point producer. But I think if he stays in the NHL, he's going to learn how to adapt his game to that because he he has like the tools. He just has to have the experience. Yeah. And I think one of the things... I also want him and, and Perron to be best friends. Well, of course. Uh, but one of the things... 
that I think is is going to be weirdly fun about this season is like in years past, if a team got an injury, which will just happen in hockey, it was just panic mode. It's like we can't replace, you know, Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Uh, still true. We still can't. <laughs> that was a bad example. But like, you know, even if like last year, like if a Bergwin went down, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, God, who do we call up <laughs> to replace Patrick Bergwin? And now, you know, you're never going to be excited by an injury. But, like, if somebody gets nicked up, especially for a couple of weeks or whatever, it's like, oh, I wonder who will get this shot to, like, you know, it'll be fu- kind of fun to watch Sammy Blay or Eric Foley or whoever kind of fill this role and see how they do for a couple of weeks and see if they kind of force their way mm-hmm. into more playing time or whatever. So, yeah, that'll be fun. Shall we move on to Tier 5? Tier 4 is over. <laughs> so just to review, that was... Uh, we didn't talk about them as individually just because there's not as much information and it's more fun to have kind of a free-flowing conversation. Uh, but Sammy Blay, um, Adam Musil, Zach Sanford, Nolan Stevens, Nico Mikola, uh, Jake Wallman, Mitch Reinke, and Noel, uh, not Nolan Fitzpatrick. That's somebody, but not mm. this person, Evan Fitzpatrick. Uh, did you have anything before we move on to say about Adam Musil? Because I think he's the one player we didn't kind of touch on at all. Uh, I think he, I was expecting him to be like a, almost for sure our our fourth line center, mm-hmm. or at least push for that spot this year. And I was reading more and more on him, and I think again he had just kind of a rough start to his AHL career and got moved around a lot. So. I think maybe with the Blues owning the Rampage or using the Rampage solely as their AHL affiliate, I should say, he'll be able to develop a little bit better. I think he still has a, a great ceiling for being like a fourth line center. Yeah. Like I said, junior Kyle Brodziak. Everybody Super, needs yeah. to have a fourth Super line responsible center. player, great two-way player. Think about how long Adam Cracknell's been in the NHL. He's still around? He's still there somewhere. I couldn't tell you for the life of me where... <laughs> But, like, the four times next season, and it won't be a divisional opponent, so he'll be traded midseason. I'll hear his name and be like, huh, listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think when they sign Adam Cracknell, he just kind of, like, silently signs the contract, and when he walks out of, you know, Jim Benning's office, he's like, (laughs) got him again. (laughs) Probably. But, hey, man, he's made a career out of it. Yeah. Uh, So Tier 5 has four players, or six players, I can count. They are Tanner Kaspik, Austin Pagansky, Pateri Lindbaum. No idea on Sergeyev's first name. What is Mm. it? Alexi. Alexi Sergeyev. Probably. (laughs) Probably. You took the notes. Uh, David Noel and Jordan... <laughs> Did I give you enough time to find Sergeyev's name? No. Oh, I tried boy. to type in Sergeyev. Let me try again. Jordan. Still nothing, huh? When I typed in Sergeyev, it said serendipity. I was like, no. Dimitri. It was the other one. The other one, of course. The other Russian name. Um, yeah, what do you have to say about any of these players? I'll start off with the one I think might graduate out of Tier 5, or is most likely to. I think it's uh, Tanner Kaspik. Tanner Kaspik is a center, left-handed shot, age 20, 6 feet tall, 203 pounds. He was drafted in the fourth round of 2016. He has a, had a very good year captaining the Brandon Wheat Kings, our two guys in a cup favorite whl team by a, by a distance by yeah. a long distance brandon wheat kings and then everybody else <laughs> um 
he captained them this past season and then continued Suck to put up Sears points. Suck at Sears Greyhounds. Probably in the OHL. <laughs> I was like, that's not even the WHL. <laughs> Our second favorite team is who Caspic got traded to halfway through the year to the Victoria Royals. There we go. Uh, across both of these teams, so this season Caspic played 60 games. 20, he had 25 goals, 39 assists for 64 points. So just a little over a point per game. He's a quick skater with a bit of an edge to his game. Projected to be a bottom six forward. Will be in San Antonio this year for his first AHL stint, and uh, probably not going to see the NHL call ups this year again. We almost have a log jam of people to call up, <laughs> but uh, he's he's interesting. I think he's kind of a Nolan. You stay down there. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of a, a Nolan Stevens of the of Tier Five, <laughs> which is <laughs> like At some the... point this gets too ridiculous. He's the Nolan yeah. Stevens of Tier 5. Exactly. When you get drafted into the NHL, <laughs> oh, no. you have an NHL comp. And when you go into our prospect period, you have a tier above you comp. Yeah. Who's, who's Tanner Kasvig's Tier 4 comp? <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I mean to say is that I think he's a guy that could definitely play above his tier yeah, or you. move up through that. Uh, Ospaganski, maybe too. We signed him at the very end of last year out of college. He was in the Nolan Stevens camp along with who was the other? Mitch Renke were the three college mm-hmm. players we signed. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think he's a little bit older. He's 22. Uh, most likely, I always think if you play four years of college hockey, you end up kind of being more NHL ready, maybe physically, just because oh. you you played older people. Yeah, you I played like those what older I've seen people. Yeah, he's. I think he shies a little away from the physical game, but I think that's something you can learn. You just mm-hmm. learn your big enough body. When you learn, you can you start hitting people like, oh, I didn't know I could do this. Yeah. <laughs> so, great. Um, I, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 no. Oh, no. I, I didn't have a fully full thought, so please, <laughs> please proceed. Um, Dimitri, that's what we decided. Sergey, uh, kind of a reach of a defenseman. I think he's a big guy. Very physical, but not doesn't necessarily have the best head on him in terms of where he needs to be on the ice. A great a thing to have when you're a defenseman. <laughs> where am I sure. supposed to be? Where's the puck? David Noel. One word associated with that man <laughs> in my mind forever. I'm so sorry. Is Muffin. <laughs> <laughs> he supposedly doesn't have a great shot. Then later on, I read he's got an amazing shot. <laughs> uh, a Danish of a shot. Oh, Is that good? That's great. Sure, why not? Muffin or an apple fritter, I can't decide. Yeah. Jordan Benenington, uh goalie drafted in 2011, I think. He's 25. Had a pretty good year with Boston's AHL team last year who we lent him out to. Man, we were just lending people to, <laughs> to anybody that could. He did decent, but... At 25, I know goalies take longer, and you can have guys graduate at that age and be good, you know, NHL goalies or decent. I just don't yeah, see he's just anything. An NHL goalie yeah. at this point, I think. I mean, he could be a bad team's backup, maybe. Yeah. I think he's that guy, realistically, he's that guy for like a medium team who gets called up to be a backup when their guy's hurt. You mm-hmm. know, he's good to have in the system, but not. Yeah, you to don't need start. him. So the big. Or the big again tier five. The big name of these six is Pateri Limbaum, who played I think 23, 24 games of the Blues three seasons ago, mm-hmm. and was 
did all right here. Looked all right. Uh, he never came back. <laughs> <laughs> I actually came back for like 10 games, and I think he came back for three games the season after that, which honestly, I don't remember those 13 games at all. I thought he never came back. <laughs> uh, he was injured somewhere in there, too. Do you know that song? <laughs> I know that one. Everyone knows that song. Oh, you're right. Uh, who's the van? Who knows? Who's to say? Oh, God only knows. Okay, good. I'm glad you didn't know that, the too. The Departed. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Limbaum is a RFA, mm-hmm. and we tendered him a contract. I don't think he signed anything. I think I've heard rumors that maybe he'll just end up going back to Finland. And in all honesty, Pateri, I, I wouldn't blame you. You've got too many defensive players ahead of you that have passed you in the depth chart yeah it's going to be hard especially as a left-hand defenseman something worth mentioning maybe right now is that this team is fairly balanced in terms of prospects and positions we've got like six centers seven left wingers like six right wingers we have nine left-handed defensemen we have two right-handed defensemen so pateri if you're left-handed and you are you are screwed (laughs) you are behind like Seven are the people. two right-handed defensemen Dunn and Edmondson? <laughs> no, it's uh no, it's a uh, Schwartz or Schwartz Schmaltz and Ranky. Okay, excellent. And nobody so else. Schmaltz is like guaranteed a job going forward. You would think <laughs> that you would think. I could really see, like, I could see them finding a way to get him on the third line. Like, I wouldn't be shocked to see them trying to find like you get. Robert Bortuzzo some playing time or, or, you know, Gunnarsson and Bomeister when they're healthy and try to showcase that they're okay and then, like, maybe try and trade him someplace Mm -hmm. that needs defensive help so you can get some more guys that need playing time in there uh, and get, you know, whatever low picks or whatever uh, to make up for it. I don't know. I think it'll be a very interesting season for Doug Armstrong because he's already shown he's, like, committed to making crap happen. So I think that's really good. Um, you have anything more to say about Tier 5? I think everything you said is right. I mean, those are mostly guys you probably aren't expecting to make an NHL impact, except, like you said, Tanner Kaspik could move up very mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. That's, I think uh, if I was going to highlight any guy from each tier to possibly push up, you know, it would be Costin from Tier 3, you know, Blay maybe from Tier 4, or Stevens, and then Caspic from Tier 5. Yeah, I and agree with that. if I was going to uh, nominate anyone from Tier 6, there would be nobody, because they're all a bums. desert. Now, uh, we do have some names written for Tier 6. It's basically a catch-all ca- category for everyone else, but the names we have in there are uh, Mackenzie McKeckern. Uh, <laughs> That's what we're going with. Philip Holt, uh, Nikolai Craig Christensen, a guy that doesn't exist, whose name is, what's his first name? Dwyer. Dwyer Chance. They tried so hard to give him a hockey <laughs> name. They they gave it their best effort, but you came up short. Mackenzie and David Chance. You just couldn't quite make it happen. Uh, Connor Bleakley, who... Future is <laughs> going very bleakly. A former first round pick who got redrafted by the Blues and doesn't seem to have much of an NHL future. Trenton Bork, because every NHL organization has to have a guy named Bork. I think it's a rule. Anton Anderson, or is that the good one? No, I think you're right. Okay, I'm th- not Lias Anderson. That'd be great, mm-hmm. though. Let's just trade him straight up. And then Luke Opilka, who could be better. I think of the players on there, the one I don't want to commit to Luke Opilka being down there, because, again, goalies are just hard to know. Mm-hmm. He looked 
fine what I saw from him at the prospect camp, uh, but there's just not enough to know. And then uh, we have along the right side, as you can see, our 2018 draft picks, Dominic Bach, we put in tier three, uh, Scott Perunovich, we penciled in to tier four, except you couldn't pencil because it's a dry erase board, but you get the point. Uh, we put him in parentheses. Joel Hofer, the goaltender, couldn't even wager a guess of where yeah, he'd be. no uh, idea. I think Maxime Laferriere and Tyler Tucker, uh, you just kind of pencil in tier six unless they prove something mm-hmm. otherwise. I think Laferriere is supposed to have really significant upside, yeah. but just a lot of, uh, a lot of, in uncertainty, I guess, inconsistencies. And then, of course... Uh, you skipped the name. <laughs> the player, I noticed you skipped the, the name. The player that I would put confidently in Tier 1. No. <laughs> uh, the player who I, I might put into into Tier 4, given what I've seen from him, uh, our very own, our beloved, Humaging, the wonderful, the greatest, the the best... He's awesome. Uh, but no, I really did like, I mean, we talked about him at length and we've joked about it, but I really loved what I saw from him uh, at the prospect camp. He's got a lot of speed. He plays really smart. He's creative. He can finish. He's just very tiny. But Brandon <laughs> Gallagher is very tiny too and he's an oh, NHL player. That's so, so true. Um, yeah, I mean, if I was going to pick the, the other guys besides Bach and Perunovic, I just wouldn't even wager a guess where they are. But McGing, I, I would probably put in tier four right now if, yeah. I, if I had to. But I left him off for now. Um, anything you want to say kind of in conclusion? We'd love to hear your feedback on our list. We'd like to have a continuing dialogue about this. This is extremely fun to do. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's very hard to do, which for the record makes... I I think it's weirdly harder than like doing a 1 to 20 because I could just kind of arbitrarily say like, you know, uh, Blay is 9 and... Mm. Stevens is 10 or whatever, you know, but like when you want to like, where do you exactly want to draw the line? There still has to be some demarcation there, but it was a, it was a ton of fun to prepare for. You did most of the actual tearing, tearing up. No, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I mean, it was a ton of fun to get ready. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I hope I'm, I hope listeners did. I'm kind of looking forward to doing it again like mid-season mm-hmm. and next year already. <laughs> I like have it, I like this. I like having this new whiteboard you bought. Oh yes. I spent a good deal of money on whiteboard on a whiteboard and whiteboard supplies today. <laughs> so we're gonna find ways to incorporate. Did you get did you get it on market. a new or a uh, back to school sale? I did actually. It was thirty percent off. Exactly. See there you go. I also got fifty colored pencils for four bucks. I never use colored pencils but they were on clearance from four fifteen dollars so i was like i got it now now I'll what just have a hoarder <laughs> you got a problem i gotta get a coloring book as well <laughs> this, oh no this <laughs> is how it starts that's how it starts you're right yeah i had a, I had a, I had a blast and that's that um what are we gonna do tell tell the listeners what we're gonna do with this whiteboard in the future um i think this would be a good idea because we're gonna put some notes up on this unified notes because we have two computers in front of us mm-hmm. but i think the whiteboard to our right is it something i don't know i think it'll be useful Outline. could be jokes on there we are so excited for this uh, the whiteboard the whiteboard is taking over the podcast two this, guys one whiteboard podcast. we have so that's much technology are. in front of 
us, and this is like revolutionizing oh, the exactly. podcast game. <laughs> I've also got a squeegee eraser, which I'm more excited than I should. Thousand percent. <laughs> um, next episode, we're gonna start doing divisional uh, previews. Yes, we are. Shall we start with the? I was Atlantic gonna ask you division. It's Atlantic or Metropolitan? Atlantic's the one with Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. Atlantic Division. We should have a guest joining us oh. for that episode if we can nail down the technology and the guests. <laughs> uh, so I won't commit him publicly. I will tell you that it's a man, I guess, because I just used the male pronoun. Oh, that's but, half the population uh, out. Who could it be? Slightly more than half. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, we'll hopefully have a guest on for the first time. The f- two guys, one guest. Podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll start that. We did that last year. It was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that'll be the plans. Uh, Atlantic, then Metro, then Pacific, then Central is mm-hmm. probably what we did last year. Makes more sense to do it that way. Cause the Atlantic is boring. <laughs> <laughs> they're in, they're getting better. They're getting better. Yeah, that's a tease. Uh, we'll see why. Anything else you want to want to promote? Oh, oh, oh! I do want to promote. Um, we did an interview with Ray Standifer of the BluesRant.com, who we've mentioned several times tonight. Uh, that is on their Twitter page and our Twitter page and on their website. Um, most most of you already listening will know a lot of the information we put in there, but uh, if you'd love to, uh, you know, if you want to give that a read, we'd love for you to have that. Yeah, have thanks for that Ray. Read. Yeah. And <laughs> thanks, Ray. I'm losing my words. Thanks, Ray, for doing it. Uh, and just, yeah, go visit their site. They're awesome. Um, and then we're doing another interview with someone else this week that I can probably say publicly, but I won't yet. You just follow us on Twitter, too. Uh, know that information. If you're new to Twitter, thank you for coming. Uh, follow us on or subscribe on iTunes, Google Play. I think that's all we have. We have some exciting stuff we're planning, but we'll tell you more about that later because mm-hmm. we've already talked for two hours and seven minutes. <laughs> so uh, without further delaying this, I will bid you all good night. And adieu. <laughs>